Hello, and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Better. And I'm JP. Just the uh, the two of us here this week. We just uh, wrapped up the uh, the Patreon, uh, kicking off December uh, pre-show with uh, with Matty there, Matty, Matty, JP, talking uh, top three desserts, me ripping off Just Eats, Grand of the Week, the death of physical media, which uh, Matty gave it uh, its proper uh, proper business, Spotify unwrapped, all kinds. Um, Arsenal's currently at a three three all draw that uh, yeah. you've sacrificed to uh, to join us uh, here on the show, mate. Uh, we're gonna get the uh, the live scores coming through Teletext style. It's all going off uh, as we kick off December here. And for long term listeners, they know normally if something happens with Arsenal, there is just quite a loud shout that will end up taking place at some some point during the proceedings to liven up what is really quite a light on the grounds week in the world of professional wrestling. If we are that's a big week. Yeah. I was looking at this like we've had like we had the um Duke, we had going going for, as far back as we had like the Crown Jewel review that went into like the AW you know kind of intervention mm. show we did with uh, with Gareth where we uh, we looked at the state of AW then there was an AW pay per view then there was another WWE pay per view in there now this week I don't know CM Punk's doing some stuff um Wembley's coming up. Uh, we're back to uh, to playing the hits uh, <laughs> this week. Look at the rest of December isn't this quiet because it doesn't uh, doesn't last very long before fucking. World's End will be upon us, and then Wrestle Kingdom will be upon us, and then I think it's the Royal Rumble not long after that, mate. So not really much uh, rest for the wicker, but definitely the uh, the quiet spot right now, depending on uh, what breaks while we're here, while we're on it. Yeah, the the calm before the storm before we end up in Newcastle this weekend. But don't worry, we'll yeah, that's a big one, Newcastle. Yeah, yeah on Saturday, we've, we've we've got that coming up there on Saturday. Where we'll obviously be there in the flesh, in the physical, almost, mm-hmm. which is obviously a big part of the pre-show. And as what people mm. will see behind me in terms of the, the death of Colise- Colosseum home video or Silver Vision, as it's properly should be called. Um, <laughs> well, that's how that's definitely how we're ever kicking off the uh, the old month uh, with the uh, mm. with the patrons. It is December's always in a, a massive month uh, for us uh, over here on Grapple. So you know, just uh, bear with us. Well, you know, it's the start of a new month. Might might as well uh, throw the uh, the plugs in early. It's all kicking off. We'll be in a uh, in Newcastle at the uh, at the weekend. What we JP? There's uh, a million oh, yes. um, things going on. It's always the uh, one of the one of the uh, the bigger uh, weekends of bigger months of uh, the year for us when it comes to uh, to content. The Grappy Awards. Are going to be uh, coming up uh, this month mm-hmm. as well as the uh, the Patreon uh, specific crappy awards um, that we'll uh, we'll have in there as well. Of course, for YouTube members too, Christmas Film Club, uh, the North, like I say, the North Wrestling Trip. We'll be doing our Ask Grapple call in show. Basically, all of the content. So if it's quiet now, um, there's a fucking lot coming up in uh, oh. in December. What are you looking forward to, JP? What are you looking to uh, to getting wow. into it? Uh, it doesn't feel like Christmas if we don't uh, just do a million podcasts. I've had a Christmas week. I'm doing a couple of guest spots as well. I think I've got about five podcasts in uh, Monday to Friday up until uh, the Christmas Eve at the uh, at the weekend. Oh my! Well, well, fair play to you for that. I mean, that's you know, it, it's going to be like it's just going to be such an absolutely cracking month. The thing I have to say that I'm I'm kind of most looking forward to because there's also an actual physical cr- present in it for me and that's the observe this power slam 1994 special um mm. because of the uh the brilliant yearbook that. that they're doing it i can't wait for that that is just going to be mm. like cracking like content have you got your physical copy yet you just no, talking about physical media have you got your physical power slam it has been it has been shipped according mm. to the shop app so i'm waiting for it to turn up there was a load of magazines i found out when i was emptying out the loft uh, on Sunday so it's like okay 
these are going to form hopefully some if nothing else after all of these years some some bloody good podcast content and like 1994 mate it's your era it's that new it's the new generation era as well it's going to be fascinating to see what the uh take was it on the at that point in time particularly what stately wayne manor thinks and the, <laughs> that good oh yeah i hope he's around the 94 we're gonna be good to the feast up like i, I to be honest though like, i don't know if 94 is my era because like that was that period i always talk about when like the kids in school had stopped watching it yeah. and like to be able um, we didn't have sky at home so it went from like everyone in school having tapes and going around to whoever's house and there'd be some form of wrestling on in 1992 and into 1993 until it into that proper death spot. So it is a bit of a blind spot for me, 1994. I think we mm. we got Sky late stage 95, which might explain my uh, my big Sean fandom. Um, that kind of uh, links in there, definitely. Um, but like for me, it's like, it's, it's a bit of a blind spot. And also before I think I booked like, because I think, Power Slam, as we'll probably talk about on the show, is why I became a smart fan. It was probably for most people in this country was the introduction to the you know the background workings and stuff like that. And let's all be honest, as much as we love Finn Martin, a lot of Dave Meltzer's work reprinted and Wade Keller's work reprinted, but on magazine shelves in a in yeah. WH Smith. But it was definitely like it was ninety seven before I started reading it. So like as much as this is going to be like nostalgic going back and like say that it's inside the ropes that are putting the yearbook out, so that's what we're going to be uh, going to yeah. be looking at on this uh, observe this show. You know, just to make a change, you know, instead of uh, dusting off a copy of the Observer, we'll uh, we'll look at the world through who uh, Finn Martin's eyes. But I think in, on the one hand it'll be nostalgic for me because of that, but then on the other hand it'll be like, yeah, I don't think I'll have, I'll have read um, any of these that are in the uh, the ninety four yearbook that they're putting out. You're going to be absolutely love because I was I was there from the beginning. This was mm. like, as someone who was just at that point of discovering, I kind of suppose, having like, feeling like there was some idea of the inner workings of wrestling and having like kind of an insight. Parastam was absolutely crucial. And you mentioned, it's just like, it being in like WH Smith's is the equivalent of being on like primetime TV in like the UK. It was like, you know, yeah. that was the daddy of the of the news agents. It was a serious shop, WH Smith. Still around today, manages to somehow still surviving it's all various incarnations but it was a massive deal and your, your news agent stonked it in the era of yeah. Mazda, you know tweaking, talking loads about like physical media and the rest of it and like this was like the prime examples in terms of magazines because you speak to younger people and they just don't consume them it's not part of it but this is how we learn and that monthly like was it last thursday in the month that it would come out i think that sounds right, yeah. Because I used to have like my—I don't think my news agent would stock it, but they put like a little order in for me. Like there came mm. a point where I was getting like WWF magazine, WCW magazine, Power Slam, and I was probably getting like the Insider or the Wrestler or one of the PWI um, knockoff oh, ones yeah. <laughs> delivered there as well. And it'd be like the Saturday when I had my pocket money, I'd uh, I'd go and collect it. Like, um, but yeah, I, honestly, it was massive, like massive, massive part of my. I found them getting that and being able to like say see the uh, the inner workings of stuff. And I always say it like I feel like when we talk about wrestling, I still think it now. When I the certain words I say when I'm talking about wrestling or certain ways I think about it, I think it's because I've got that Finn Martin voice in my head because I read them for so long and you kind of get indoctrinated a little bit with his opinions. I feel like he went off the deep end a little bit later on when he just decided John Cena was the worst human in the history of humankind and like and it was like yeah. you do like the ps50 and it'd be like cena would have like a great year and he wouldn't be anywhere near it you know what i mean he had his, he had his favorite he had these people he hated but like at a point it meant so much that ps50 i'm glad that you know obviously 
the FSM 50 and, you know, Alan and Brian and, uh, and all those guys kind of kept that going as well. But it's like the, yeah, go, even going to the, that stuff, that was a massive part of uh, a fandom waiting for that edition to come out uh, each year and get to, to see that. Or like, remember the little booklets they put with it? Like the little, uh, oh, yeah. like there was a couple of times ones where it was just like literally, a, I remember it was like a, an attached booklet to the side of Power Slam and it was just all the rest of the real names. So when we do like observe this, usually we're laughing at Dave Meltzer putting in brackets Richard Morgan Flair when it's uh, when it's Rick Flair or Michael Hickenbottom. Where did I first learn all those names? One of those little booklets that uh, Finn Martin attached to Power Slam, you know? <laughs> it's massive. And if they wanted to flog a few more copies, like one of the valets, that's what they'd have and managers. Yeah, and I remember like a... Francine maybe being on yeah. the back of that. Uh, I do actually yeah. remember that. Yeah. <laughs> just like a woman of wrestling thing. And it just, uh, you know, shift yeah. numbers, wouldn't it, at, at that point in time? But it was, yeah, they would have that stuff on. I mean, it's, yeah, it, it was such, it played such an integral part as well because it kind of, the thing about it is I don't get into, I don't do any tape trading if it's not through this. That was the mm. thing. It was like Rob Butcher and just being mentioned mm. in the back of the magazine and tape trading and that just being like, when I was like earning my own money, it was like, right, I'm going to buy myself some videotapes. Let's get that IWA King of the Death matches. And then you watch it and convinced yourself it was good when really you had wasted three odd hours of your life watching a 17th generation videotape copy. But like, that's the stuff he got introduced. You know, there's the readers, the readers pages. That's going to be a giggle to go through in there as well. And uh, mm. like you said about your brother as well, being able to kind of get those, get those comments off, uh, off Finn Martin as well, knowing, knowing exactly the thing to kind of write in about knowing that you Just yeah, say John Cena's crap. On this. He'll agree with you. But when, like, but when we met him, that. Like for Look, us two, it was been stood there like pint in one hand, Finn Martin there, and I'm turning around to you, and I'm just going, "This is mental." Like this is <laughs> you absolutely him over. mental. I was just at the bar. JP just turned the corner. We're like with with some bloke came over. I was like, "Yeah, this is Finn." And I was like, "Yeah, fucking hell, I know who that is." Yeah, <laughs> it was great. Got to buy, got to buy a, a pint. The uh, the great man. No, I'm, I'm glad he's doing it. I'm glad he's leaning into the uh, yeah. nostalgia and putting it out. Great, uh, great Christmas gift, but. Yeah, we'll be leafing through that. I'll be trying to get yes. the you're getting the physical copy. I'm hoping for a for a digital one to our conversation in the pre-show to uh, to drop at some point uh, this week. So I'll be grabbing that and we'll be uh, we'll be reviewing that in the same level of detail we always do the uh, the classic observers. But yeah, we'll have the uh, the Christmas uh, movie film club uh, coming up in December where we'll uh, probably each uh, pick one of our uh, our favorites and uh, and go through that. So it'll be fun to see what we uh, what the patrons decide on on that. Of course, our usual Ask Grapple special, um, where we uh, take the uh, the calls of uh, both the patrons and, uh, and friends of the show as well. Always a messy affair, although, you know, you're a, you're a new dad again, so I don't know whether it's, uh, <laughs> you're going to be on your best behavior this year, JP, um, whether we're going to uh, quite get a, a JP crashing out three hours into it. I think those, uh, those days are long behind you, I think, mate, but we'll, uh, we'll do our best. We try and match Alvarez, but, you know, we don't uh, we don't go too much. That was, that was an animal year, that one. That was my mm. like like Ric Flair in the Royal Rumble in '92 <laughs> kind of like the moment for that one, and then just crashing out and burning at the end, fucking the finish. You might think of it, um, but yeah, no, I'll have a I'll have a couple of drinks, but I won't be going like I, I just can't handle it these days. That's like the truth, as you'll find out. Um, it is just one of these things where I'm just kind of not used to it as much, but I just I love it because it's nice and relaxed, and it doesn't feel like we've had to like kind of cram in. 15 hours of wrestling in order to kind of prepare for it. It's just like we get asked some mad questions. And if it's anything like, and for those of you listening in the past on that, I mean, the Ted DiBiase question, like that is still for me, like one of my just like favorite moments in all of it, because it was Mark Doyle who wrote that. Just the most incredible <laughs> question. 
You know, at some point, someone's going to ask us who's going to win a, a War Games match between the cast of EastEnders and the cast of Brookside. But, you know, oh, yeah. it is the show formerly known as Ask Rev Joe. So, uh, yeah. Ask Grapple continues on it uh, in its great name. So, yeah, that'll be taking place uh, between uh, Christmas and, uh, and New Year. So, everyone can look forward to that. And yet, the uh, the, the spotlight before Christmas will be the uh, the annual Grappy Awards as we go through the uh, the best of the year. And the, the worst of the year will be exclusive to the Patreon. So, yeah, patreon.com slash grapple or join us as a YouTube member. You can get it there. You can even probably the perfect time year get a free trial on the patreon as well time it right you know get yourself a nice little uh, week's free trial you can uh, mug off the system like i do just eat uh, with me seven pound voucher that the uh, they put through me door the patrons heard about in our in our free show there but You've yeah there's gonna be a lot going man. on so consider uh, consider coming over and joining us and supporting what we've uh yes. we've had going on it's been a bit of cracking here perfect way to end it and hopefully yeah. we'll see yeah a fair amount of the uh the patrons and uh and listeners in uh, in newcastle at the weekend as we mm-hmm. are uh going to the uh, the north wrestling show on saturday which i believe is is sold out at a uh, time record i don't know if people can get tickets on the secondary market but that is uh our king of the mountain second, second uh, sellout we're involved with mate there we go <laughs> they knew we were coming mate that's what it is wasn't the like us twins it was us that uh that sold those tickets we know the truth but uh yeah carl chose uh, that as his uh, king of the mountain review so we're going to both have the night out in newcastle and review the show but all are welcome so yeah if you can still manage to get yourself a, a ticket somehow come and uh, come and join us in newcastle and if not come and have a drink with us uh in the ash grapple uh christmas special and yeah patreon yes. youtube doors are open um and yeah, retro's back as well should throw that in too so yeah you get oh. episode two of that um before the rest of the world so brilliant time to uh to join up is that everything i think i've covered it all i think so. always always want to mention like the brilliant weekend show that we end up doing mm-hmm. and the spotlight and the pre-show which people have, have heard as well like just fantastic stuff your monday updates as well to set up set up the week the the kind of tease people in so yeah if you're enjoying this support us youtube go to patreon.com forward slash grapple dare i ask jp of arsenal as arsenal over yet is it three or can we can't are we, are we okay or we're we not looking we don't know you can't, well, there's, there's actually there. still more time left on this as well i i haven't oh. paid attention to it. it is still three there's 15 minutes left mate this could go any number of ways but just we'll to get set enough people up for it all i'm thinking is at least i've got some draft team points this week but i'll still bloody lose because it's just fucking oh. cursed in that thing but yeah still three all still drawing andy ogden's gonna uh, keep us up updated in the yes. chat but on that note we should get into uh, mm. what's uh, going on in the in the world of wrestling uh this uh, this weekend, of course, only one place to start. JP is uh, as in the words of Tony Khan, we're starting nine months early. Um, yes, we are. As we actually have a correction um, to start with uh, this week, as far as uh, from the weekend show. If anybody uh, last plug, if anybody uh, doesn't watch the uh, the weekend show on the Patreon, you can get clips from it uh, over on our, our YouTube for free. Might uh, might tempt you to uh, to join us, but in the clip that we put up on the YouTube, we were recording on it uh, on Friday, JP, and uh, all in tickets were at the uh, about the twenty seven thousand range. Thought that was a uh, mm. that was pretty impressive a couple of hours uh later wrestletix posted an update on their on their twitter where i believe it was in about the uh the 31 odd thousand range uh i'll double check this is the most up-to-date number but it looks no. like we're now was it is it even new with it it's even newer than that mate of on friday um it is just like they are selling way better than i think any of us suspected at, at this point jp i'll get the uh the most uh the most latest figures so i can I'll bring it up on here for us now as well like we are currently at the minute and everyone should hopefully there be able is. to see that yeah thirty six thousand and fifty seven is where we're wow. at uh on there you can obviously see on the chat as well that there is uh, the the wonderful map on there there is still some floor seats i'm not surprised mm. they're bloody expensive 
set up at the moment currently for 48,000 with a big fuck off stage taken up like a, a whole uh, massive section of it at the moment but we're kind of used to that with AEW shows uh, hey um <laughs> but yeah so there is a uh, 36,057 at this point so it is selling that's up 3,000 from the last kind of update that that we had seen previously oh, just over 2,000 actually I should say on that still very good numbers still outpacing mm. what we thought mm. as well there is still that push it's been proven to be justifiably a good decision on this. There would have been people, and you know, as negative as I might seem about um, uh, about how the company does at points in times and how it produces its TV, you can't really argue with this decision of nine months. They're giving themselves a lot of time to sell mm. what I've, I mean. There's still a good, obviously, a lot of tickets available. The capacity is like you know. They're aiming to beat that 81,000 tickets sold. And I'm not getting into that and that bloke from Brent um, Borough Council <laughs> and the rest of it because that just feels like a fucking like a weird a rabbit hole to go down. I hope he does. He, I bet he's just thinking, oh, cr-. you know what it is? We spoke about GTA 6 in the chat. It's a bit like GTA San Andreas, isn't it? With your man CJ <laughs> going, oh, shit, here we go again because he's going to be getting a lot of emails from, from wrestling fans as well. But, yeah, that's... In terms of money in the bank, I think in terms of the gate, it's close up to around four million. Which, if I remember rightly, the cost they had for hiring out the venue was half a million. Mm. I wonder whether or not they had some kind of like if there was any kind of nice deal that happened for the fact that they moved, you know, did some stuff mm. with the staging because of the Taylor Swift concert as well. So Wembley's going to be blown, rake, raking it in around that point in time, isn't it? Oh. Like I say, if you can get those Swifties along to that, that's the that's where the real money is uh, at this stage. It's like we were talking on the weekend show, JP, when it was you know ten thousand less because obviously the pre-sale was last Monday and then the general sale happened on Friday. I was already impressed at that number. Like genuinely, there was a point last year if it stopped at this, if it stopped at near thirty-seven thousand, I would have been like, ah, oh, you know what, you know they haven't quite mm. filled Wembley, but. Pretty good for a you know a secondary you know not WWE country coming to the country for the first time. Maybe they shouldn't have run Wembley, but it was still strong. They're at that number already. It makes no. It, it it's like we were saying on the weekend show. Like one, who are these people? And I think the answer is they're not people in our bubble. It's people who I would guess just went to Wembley last year, had a fucking great day out, and they don't spend their week to week like we do. JP analyzing the ins and outs of the AW book, and I'm like, oh, I had a good day at Wembley. I love to Wembley itself in a lot of ways is is the draw, isn't it, for a lot of people? And I think I would suspect it's those types of people. Connor said in the chat before, do, do any of us know who these people are? Like, mm. no, I don't know anyone really who's bought. I've, I've, said, I've seen one or two comments from our patrons who bought tickets. Like, I think Dom was saying he bought, like, a cheap seat. And I, I've heard stories like yeah. that. But, like, it's this completely separate group, isn't it, of people who are outside of our silly little online echo chamber and absolutely mm. exist. You know, the types of people who, you know, get their wrestling news from elsewhere and follow AEW potentially, you know, on on ITV as a as got as a, as Matty would say, God intended. You know, back uh, still living in those uh, those physical days. I'm sure they're all devastated about the loss of uh, Silver Vision. I'm sure they've all got living rooms like uh, the, your background there on the uh, on the video version. There's, I mean, Chris is saying in the chat here, you know, and Steph say the same. Is could it potentially be touts? I suppose there's going to be in a maybe a amount of that who's looking at it and going, you know, we could we could make it, but. That's true of any big event, isn't it? I don't. I think Meltzer's always big on that. That like, there's always big amounts of touts, no matter what the show is. Um, you know, I guess we'll see if a, if there's an extremely cheap secondary market, whether they uh, they all end up taking a bath on it. If that ends up being true, but there's not really any evidence of that either. I think it's just 
like I say, our low expectations, um, maybe, you know, we're off the mark a little bit, um, is probably what I'd say. I think there is, yeah, like we like we've sort of said before, looking at it with like a sort of bit more distance, I don't think it's touts, number one, just simply because there isn't that many that's appeared on the resale market, as far as I'm aware. But yeah. the tickets themselves, they have gone up in price. So it means you're going to have more disparate. There's going to be a lot more like floor seats. And I think if the touts were buying floor seats at those prices, they'd be taking a hit. That would be like True. they'd be they'd be absolutely suffering at this point. And I think they realise themselves because <coughs> you like to think the ticket touts are quite smart about this type type of stuff. Mm-hmm. That they would have realised that the, this isn't like the NFL or something like that, where tickets go pretty much immediately and it feels like it's an ultra hot event. Or Taylor Swift tickets, where they'll be mm-hmm. all over it for that kind of stuff for the resale market. I don't think that is the case here. In terms of who that fans are, I always think of them as like it is the people who sort of followed wrestling with TNA on Challenge and stuff like that. Mm. Like I think, you know, to say like the Wrestle Talk kind of fans, the people who kind of like that's how they. I always think that's how they found out about wrestling. And like you say, those people who watch. Yeah, let me tell you about YouTube. There's yeah. some horrendous YouTube channels out there. Not that ours is the best in the world with hundreds of thousands of, uh, of viewers who are just, you know, there, there are people out there who like that's yeah. how they get, their, they get their news from Sean's views or whatever um, YouTube channel of choices, you know, like they're, they're a silent majority, mate. Not, not everyone uh, has got the, the refined taste of uh, of people like us listening to, uh, to post wrestling and the observer and, and voices and such like that. I mean, I think what they've done with this primarily, the thing you have to say that it is like a kind of a success is, is straight away they've made their money back. Yeah. There is that. So they're not taking a bath on it. They've also got, like you say, nine months to kind of yeah. think on this, like they should do their baby. And they've just found out they're pregnant with a, with a decent kind of WrestleMania show. And they said the <laughs> thing they need to do is have their shit together for when that baby comes out. Something I can't always yeah. say in the iPad, but there we go. Um, <laughs> it's like the, one of those kind of situations where they've got that, like they've got this period of time to kind of get their ducks in mm. a row, sell consistent amounts of tickets, because it is going to start kind of petering off now at this stage. Mm. And that early rush, if they can get it up to forty before, like the going into twenty twenty four, you go, okay, that's sort of like a good point. And then at that point, it's it's almost like it's like lap of the gods. I still ins- like this is the only time they're coming over, and I imagine that's part of the appeal. Although mm. I wonder if that will change, and I can see us talking about this on Ask Grapple whether or not they'll actually come over before that, just in order to give things a bit of a po- a bit of a boost. Um, and I still wonder, like you know, they're going to have to produce like a good product and try and make themselves hot because the situation in the states is it feels like Wembley and everything else. It's it's almost like it's a different company when it comes to tickets and all of the stuff that they're kind of doing, because it's it's pretty desperate over there for ticket sales. We're quite used to seeing, like, poorly attended shows, and you see various photos coming out of, like, one side of the building where there's a cameraman and a couple of other lads just sort of sat there, empty rows of seats and, and everything else. And I think this feels like a good news story for them to kind of, like, it's the one thing that they're able to kind of latch on to is they're doing this absolutely mammoth show and this is really, you know, something already where they go, okay, this is our most successful show. And it's nice to see them trying at least to sort of like really capitalise on it because, my God, they're plugging it all the fucking time. And I think part of the plan is to try and see if they can get a few 
Americans and Canadians to make a de- make a trip mm. over to London to go and see off. Like this is their big AEW show. So for that hardcore base to sort of, sort of go, what well, we're not going to Chicago? Oh, you're going to go to London. It's going to be a whole yeah, a lot more different. Like us, they've started early. You know, we've started on the uh, on the Wembley ticket now. necessarily. imagine again, it's going to quiet down soon. You know, we talked about yeah. it in the last three shows because these numbers are genuinely, I think, quite shocking and uh, and newsworthy where they are. It's going to get quiet for a while, and it's going to be what they do in those those quiet months. That's going to be important. If anything, they've promoted it right now to the extent that like it's probably hitting other shows because it's getting so much focus you know they're opening collision and dynamite with you know shouty reminders about all in or you've got kevin kevin kelly or was tony shivani this week on a uh, on collision and um, getting the uh they've been they've been very good with the .co.uk it was .co.uk i was like come on mate get tony in there he'll tell you apparently named uh Tony named the, apparently World's End is named literally named after the pub in Camden. He said today, um, so we don't we know he, he's got his uh, ears to the crown when it comes. Yeah, apparently he walked past on the way on the way back from a Fulham game and thought that's a good name for a pay per view. That's literally what he said. What well, Fulham game was he at? We fucking going through <laughs> walking through Camden. I was going to say, what's he doing there? Business meeting in the uh, in the World's End that we've begun to progress. Who knows? Um, but apparently that's genuinely the case. Um, but he, he does, you know, for his faults, and, you know, we spend a lot of time picking them apart. He understands this market, I think. Um, he understands the importance of Wembley. He's just not very good at getting that across to the Americans. So that's where I doubt whether people will come over because I still think Americans think of this as a big Saudi show. And I think, you know, the card, as good a time as we had, maybe went to that, you know, this year, you know, end them with a comedy match in it in Cold and MJF, and they're not really been much memorable from an in-ring point of view if you were there with Saturday and watching on pay-per-view. But that can easily be put right as well. They put the money where their mouth is when it comes to promoting the thing, when it comes to, you know, getting there early, getting the tickets on sale before Christmas. I think they answered a lot yeah. of our criticisms from last year. That's the other criticism we had. It's the card and it's the making it your WrestleMania to justify selling that many tickets um, and to sell, you know, those those remaining tickets. It's going to be the thing, but... Yeah, I wouldn't put it past them at this point to uh, to to come close to, to last year's um, numbers. <laughs> Steph off there, there. Yeah, apparently Tony was in Camden. Who knows? But as you said, um, David, your car says I can't wait for eight of you Camden Underwear play for you. That might be the, uh, the name of the show. There, that's fun, Carl. Any other any other hot just spots in it? Pay per view just called Market or like <laughs> Coco. <laughs> Jazz Wendy's Cafe. In the, that's on the corner. <laughs> Camden Junction. I don't know. Don't know Camden that well. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's the positive, as you alluded to, JP. But before you know, we get into the shows of the week, I think uh, it's weird because it, it does seem to exist in this silo, all of the Wembley news, which is overwhelmingly positive right now in an environment where, you know, AW are, are dealing with being not the hard product, you know, that they were, mm. you know, Meltzer reporting today on a on his radio show that you know they're not the there's a lot of negativity backstage apparently morale is particularly uh low backstage at aw right now you're seeing you know as picture there there uh you're seeing you know brick baker you know talking out of turn a little bit on twitter you know dave Meltzer's phone's blowing up with uh if he's saying morale seems low in a in aw it's probably a lot of wrestlers uh getting them on the phone and uh and getting that uh getting their, uh, their, their, their their gripes out there. I know, you know, I know people who speak to some people backstage at, uh, at AW and you do see, you know, that happening where there are wrestlers and some of the ones you would probably expect who seem to not be particularly happy right now. It must be a weird situation performing right now in front of, you know, other than Wembley obviously being the great news from a ticket point of view. We've got all that, like, ticketing-type stories to talk about today and 
in general, AEW's year over year is bad. And there's a lot of, like Steph talked about on the show that I did with her, a lot of dynamites, including the Thanksgiving dynamites in Chicago that are, that are happening with, you know, that generic, you know, I think uh, I think I heard somebody called it the, the, the edge setup, uh, the Copeland setup, where there's uh, just a lot of uh, a lot of empty, there's a there's a hard cam um, and the wrestlers, you know, it looks, it looks all right on TV, but the wrestlers are talking to a hard cam and a lot of people dress like chairs um, is kind of uh, the experience of being an AW wrestler right now. It's obviously not a sky is falling situation, JP, because again, they got Wembley in the back pocket. Yeah. Again, we're not talking crazy low numbers when we get into the numbers and attendance and stuff, but that would be, you know, my sneaky thought as to as to why morale is low. Obviously, there's a lot of changes going on backstage. We saw today, you know, the vice president of post-production, Kevin Sullivan, not the Kevin Sullivan or the other Kevin Sullivan who writes books. The Kevin Sullivan who does production. There's three of them in wrestling. It's dead annoying. Um, he's gone, and that indicates a bit of change. So maybe the change in power structure. QT Marshall leaving, who seemed it was like somebody died when he left. The amount of tweets and stuff from wrestlers, it was like unbelievable. You could you could just tell sometimes when somebody's an extremely popular figure backstage, and he feels like one. It just feels, JP, like a, a company in flux behind the scenes yeah. and a company that is struggling with not being the hotel tennis of brand it is and struggling for an identity on screen. But it wouldn't shock me that it's, you know, having effects backstage as well. I think this is at the point in the, the proceedings. And like you say, like a company in flux. And in some ways, it's not a surprise because if we chart the growth of where AEW were, like, at, First of all, just their sheer presence being almost a thing that kind of would get them through like kind of three years almost that they were new and they were something different to kind of WWE. And mm. I think a lot of our criticisms are focused around, certainly mine have been like around the fact of them doing stuff that WWE does and going, well, I don't mm. think that's the way forward necessarily for them. And them changing the kind of infrastructure, I'm not entirely surprised because in, in many ways it hasn't grown as the company's grown so in terms of the kevin sullivan one like first up because they hired mike mansory and in some ways i'm not surprised and do i think like and i know dave penzer made a comment about this as well about what what his specific role was is that he was the vice president of post-production which means like you know he edits rampage does the packages for tvs promo ads stuff like that and you know what as kind of solid as they are it doesn't suggest kind of cutting edge tv and i think this is part of the problem has been about the presentation however that doesn't affect the stuff in terms of like the live business which is poor and a point i think i raised when we spoke about like the kind of the state of AEW a couple of weeks ago is that well where should they be like and you brought up the figures there on on the screen there um for yeah. for video viewers in, there. Mm. in terms of like the estimated tickets, it's down pretty much every single quarter for the last couple of years, bar Q quarter four in 2021 and Q2 2023, where I wonder what was um, sort of boosting the ticket distribution for that. And there's going to be one anomaly of a show that's thrown into the mix, but it's gone down. Mm. And I think mm. in many ways, what they haven't done is they haven't realized, certainly in terms of the venues and the presentation, is they're thinking of things in kind of like a traditional way of we need to run what are like kind of very orthodox arenas. And I think there needs to be a bit of outside the box thinking when it comes to places they could run, whether it be kind of cooler music venues or stuff like that, just something that would create a different kind of television experience, which even mm -hmm. Daly's place for God's sake, and I was never the biggest fan of it, but it always looked kind of different on TV. 
Like there was always mm. something about that that I kind of thought. So I always thought from a, you, it can't be a hot ticket if there's if you can get eighteen thousand of them at a push, and there's nowhere near. They've kind of exhausted several markets. We joke about it, but Chicago and what mm. Steph brought up, and that they've they've absolutely rinsed it to death, and mm. they need to rethink that policy. But it's also how they market themselves as well. Is there's very little about them at this stage when you watch the kind of product even for the stuff that i like stuff that you feel like is in the zeitgeist it's kind of new it's fresh if i knew exactly what that was i'd assume i'd be bloody working from at this point and we'd be implementing it and we'd be starting to see an upturn in it but mm-hmm. i think that's part of the issue with it at the moment is that as they've kind of gone on i think maybe to a lot of people and i, I think steph intimated it when she spoke about it on the on the show that that, that you did with her as well is that there isn't this type of like it's a WWE fan that's going to it. Why? Because as a product, it kind of resembles WWE. And mm. I think that is part of the stuff that made them kind of different early on, good and bad. A lot of that's been removed for presentation and storytelling that is far too influenced by WWE rather than it's almost like what this company needs is like this season to end as a TV show, have a bit of a break and a reset and have a think about it, but they can't. It's the one thing they can't do. They have to carry on. So any transitions kind of have to happen on TV in front of us. But yeah, I think they need, they. there's a few changes in the presentation that have been needed for, for quite some time. Yeah. And, it, and it's, you know, we don't know how much of these changes are coming from the, you know, what, they're obviously in a negotiation. Yeah. We don't know like how much it is, you know. TNT, TBS, it's 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 Warner going. No, we want more entertainments. We want Ric Flair. You know what I mean? I know Tony Khan was in the uh, in the news today talking about the Ric Flair one and almost humble bragging that it's not a. Uh, we're not paying for Ric Flair. Uh, well, presumably, these aren't his words. Whoever the money mark is that's putting his energy ring together is paying AEW to use Ric Flair. So, in uh, Tony Khan's words, it's a it's a profit to AEW to have. You know, and these aren't Tony Khan's words. They are fucking sex offender on TV. Um, they're my words. Um, as Arsenal score, JP, 4-3 right now. There you oh, go. fucking get it. Christ, I've been worried <laughs> about that as well. Don't tell, he's going to tell me <laughs> VAR in a minute or something like that. 96 minute, right? There you go. Beast. Um, I, haven't got I feel awful. Team, I feel dirty cheering him on again. Just like <laughs> stuff as well, but. Well, yeah, there is. Yeah, there's an there's an irony there, unfortunately. But you know, sports are going to sport, aren't they? Unfortunately, it's uh, yeah as sad as it is as a as a subject. But yeah, you know, there is definitely a, a sea change, and I do wonder how much of it's uh, coming from that. But you you know, you are seeing it. You know, in the again via Re- uh, WrestleNomics and WrestleTics is where that you know these graphics are coming from. Just look, you know, we spend a lot mm-hmm. of time crunching quarter hours and crunching TV ratings, which are of course down year on year. We you know we cover that enough, but it's. It's shown in you know in ticket sales. It's shown in just market to market fluctuation, like me and Steph talked about with the Chicago Thanksgiving Dynamite this year compared to last year. Or if you've even got in the WrestleNomics numbers, you can you compare the Dynamite, um, you know, in in November, you know, we're twenty percent down from a Dynamite in Chicago only a few months ago, um, in June. Um, same thing in Minneapolis uh, during this uh, this last period as well, a sixteen percent drop. There's clearly just less of a demand, I think, for it for AEW. They might turn into a TNA, and they might, you know, with these you know dynamite year on year numbers are are on the screen. Then again, credit to to those guys, but it might turn out that we end up, you know, in a TNA situation where 
they're a they're a European. It's like Bret Hart in the in the nineties. They're a European company rather than a, an American company. You know, we'll always uh, we'll always uh, prop up these uh, these companies when business is bad in the US. Get over here, and Bret Hart will still be the uh, the biggest hero in the world. And uh, you know, Bully Ray will still be filling arenas in the UK. That was genuinely a, a thing that was happening in the two thousands. We are usually the last dominoes to fall. And again, like I say, they're probably despite themselves going to get a killer. You know, TV deal. Yes, Collision and Rampage numbers aren't looking good. Although Collision was back in the the four hundred thousand range this week, which I suppose is a win compared to mm-hmm. to where it's been the uh, the last while. They're still, despite themselves, gonna get a good you know gonna get a good deal. But I think all of these signs are there, and it goes to the backstage environment, and it goes to the on screen product that it's yeah. it just isn't where it was before. And I think when they were there, and Suit Williams wrote a great piece on this and Voices last year, when they were the challenger brand, when they were the hot alternative, that was a great place to be. When Vince McMahon was the big bad on the other channel that you could rally against and go, "We're not Vince McMahon's wrestling." Like there was a obvious place in the market for AEW. It's less obvious now. WWE is, you know, whether it's good or not, has gotten better. The Vince McMahon problem in Suits Words is gone. Um, and yeah, like we keep talking about WWE feeling more and more, despite all that stuff, like the Babyface promotion and AEW is a, is a promotion struggling to kind of, you know, figure out what it is right now. And I think they haven't helped themselves by a lot of the times not even acknowledging that there's stuff that they perhaps need to do. And it's not like mm-hmm. public admissions that this is bad or this is bad, but not like doing clear correction changes. So it's like justifications mm-hmm. of Ric Flair. And it's like, well, if you're needing that kind of money from that, then that's not a great position. We're talking about a company, what, in revenue that was meant to have done 175 million. How much is yeah. Woo? How much are they getting for Woo Energy? As Steph brings up on it. Like, and read, you know, it, read Steph's article on that, by the way, on a, on a yeah. Substack uh, follower on, uh, on Twitter, at Stephanie M. Jason. Read that article, which covers the uh, the Flair stuff that we, we talked about a little bit on the uh, on the weekend show and a, a lot of detail of, you know, the issues uh, with that, that kind of change perspective on what AW is when you've got Ric Flair's woo energy on the entranceway and every fucking screen. Um, it is. It's a different company. Sorry, Jamie. And it looks... Oh, but I was going to say, it looks low rent. This mm. isn't Monster on UFC. Certainly not even <laughs> Ruffles or Slim Jims. Not even Mike Tyson's drink, is it? <laughs> no, it isn't. It's not It's not even like... It, that's the problem, is it looks like a low-rent brand, which then by default mm. makes them kind of look low-rent and just like you're chasing the kind of money. And that's I think that's part part of the issue with them, is is that there's that impression that kind of follows it. And quite we even saw it with, you know, even to bring it back to Wembley, I think in some ways the Wembley ticket sales after a while they started to go up because people thought I need to be part of an event because it feels like it's going to be big. And therefore mm-hmm. it's like more people do that because they know it's going to be big. And then before you know it, they've sold a fuckload of tickets. So like there's a lot of the times it kind of enters into this this type of cycle. But it mm-hmm. but this is the the issue with them at the minute in terms of like their their organization, like and things that I've like kind of banged on i'm sorry to bring up the horrible word infrastructure yet again but there's like the kind of organizational elements so like rampage for example i mean it's done like it was like up 27 percent from last week that's up to three hundred and forty-eight thousand. like mm. when you think of the heights of where it was and that's taken out cm punk debut like as the complete mm. anomaly in all of this it doesn't have his own identity I mean, this week it was just like a fuckload of like tags, six person tags, one eight person tag, and I'm just like, I don't give a shit. I do not give a shit about this like at all. It's just sort of stuff that is thrown together in the most kind of like generic way. 
and that doesn't have yeah, its own next week, mate. Final battles next week. I mean, and I've seen that the sales. And what a like, and again, it's just running that Garland Texas Civic Center, which they must have some great fucking deal with because they. Oh, you know, I was bang on about that. They should be running the tri-state and treating it like it's an indie. I know yeah. the time is came and we'll be previewing that next week, but the time is came and gone. For I understand the argument, put it in arenas because then when it's in arenas, it's like the the thing with the AW attendance problem right now. Like they're in big arenas that are probably too big for what they've got, yeah. but they're on t- primetime TV, so I get it. You want to look like a primetime TV product, but that argument dissipates, doesn't it? When it's less and less people, and when you know it's the empty shell that ROH has become. At this point, you're not kidding anybody by taping it after Rampage and Collision. You might as well just fucking throw it in a, in the National Guard Armory or you know nicer arenas than that, but small, intimate, hardcore indie fan spaces, and make it its own yeah. thing. It's 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 a it's that problem, I think we and most people spotted right away when Tony Khan sat at a press on him with a straight face went, yeah, I'm going to book that too. And we were all like, are you really, mate? And we're seeing the fruit of that now. We're seeing that like he can't possibly book that on top of Collision, on top of Rampage, on top of Dynamite. And I've got good things to say about, you know, Collision and, uh, and yeah. Dynamite. This we'll get into in a minute. But, you know, obviously there's going to be that problem, isn't there? There is going to be that problem. But I also think like they're missing a trick on it about, I always think what you want is a hot atmosphere. And one of the things yeah. that I don't see at these shows is a hot atmosphere. And that's the thing that is almost impossible to replicate that you can only get if you're in running like kind of small venues. And guess what? They're in America, which as every type of venue for everyone, because there's so many events going on, like particularly mm. in relation to sport everywhere and like bloody high schools and the rest of it. And it could be, they could run more interesting venues that look kind of cooler and like, it almost like that kind of boutique wrestling where you get like great yeah. wrestling, but there's only like a thousand people there. They could do that in front of hot crowds. And I think then that would, I would make for then a better television product rather than the arena thing. Cause I think there's still a point where we get through and giant led screens do not always a good television experience make like we need something else from that as well, where you mm-hmm. want like, dare I say it like the Jericho cruise, something that I would have zero interest never in being on. Do you know what? It looked fucking different. Like, I could have done without the wind and stuff like that. But my God, did it look entirely different. That feels there you like... Go. ROH needs to be on a boat. Glory yeah. Bayona 5, boat version. <laughs> Glory Bayona on the sea. Yeah. Ring of Honor 2, cruise control. Nah, that's really what it is <laughs> at this point. Um, the shit sequel to 2006 Ring of Honor. Um, but, yeah. But it, yeah, but with that said, like I do think they're in a rebuilding period right now. I think, I think you know whether you know we talked about Dynamite on the weekend show, yes. and to, to to kind of summarize that, you can get the, the review for free on the uh, on the YouTube if you uh, you miss us talking about uh, Dynamite in that granular detail. But the the overall take on it was, I think we both enjoyed it more than we have been enjoying Dynamite for a while. Functional, mm-hmm. I think, was the word we used. They were good, not great. Um, Continental Classic matches. MJF cut a good, not great promo about Samoa Joe. Unfortunately, that descended into madness with the uh, with the Mash Devil, and you can hear our uh, <laughs> our hatred of uh, that angle. The only you know good sign is that maybe we're getting a bit of a reveal on uh, on this week's Dynamite. I would guess because I, I I think I had the you know. You can always shout them out, but the what culture lads were talking about that. How can you have a tag match with two lads in masks and not at any point just pull the mask off? Because quite clearly from Dynamite, that was Matt Taven and Mike Bennett. And the big one was definitely fucking Wardlow. So just fucking pull the mask off, lads. It's going to be an angle on Dynamite rather than a, than a match. And, you know, we can talk about Dynamite as a whole. And I think 
I'm looking forward to that story just being over. Like I watched Collision this weekend and I was like, I feel like Joe Lanza's gonna get his wish and what and, and Roderick Strong the goof is gonna disappear because it's gonna turn out that he was putting an act he was being annoying on purpose this entire time because he was part of the devil stuff. And hopefully we'll fast forward into a resolution with that. Because I think if we can get that off the telly and if we can I can maybe live with a bit of Tony Storm. I can maybe maybe live with some of the other goofy elements of TV. Like there are some signs of life there. I think the the Continental Classic has done what it was supposed to do, which was give the fucking nerds some good wrestling matches and go back to basics. There was a lot of that over the week's uh, TV this week, and it was it was it was good matches, which is you know with a roster like AEW is the easiest thing in the world to do, but not something they would necessarily do in the last while or so. I think we were relatively positive on Dynamite and I kind of keep that not red hot positivity, but maybe that tepid positivity going with the actual product that they put on screen this weekend. Like it was uh, inoffensive is probably the way for Rampage for me and Collision, I thought was a pretty good show. Yeah. And this is always the thing when we are, when we're watching and reviewing Collision on here is, is I tend to find myself enjoying it like as a, as a TV product. And I have to say in terms of the continental classic, it's, because the stakes aren't to my pleasing, okay? There's stuff about it I don't necessarily like, but to have a lot of very good wrestlers, some of whom are around that kind of upper mid-card tier, all of mm. whom kind of focused in one direction, but individually, that's good. It feels like the kind of stakes, and because I, one of the things I should be, think they should be doing is more kind of like using of the like real sports aspect of of like you're developing like that career, that hierarchy, even if they don't want to acknowledge kind of rankings and everything else, you're creating it with this tournament as well. Whilst also having good matches into the mix of which, you know, I thought again, two very good matches alongside stuff that was kind of generally inoffensive, much more so I think the Danielson and and mm. Eddie Kingston match there as well. Even if I'm kind of fearing the worst for, for Eddie Kingston, at least like, it feels like they're making better use of some of the parts, which has not always been the case. And it's not as haphazard as it was. And like you've said, I just want an end to the devil stuff because I couldn't care. And even seeing the, the Roderick strong interview, um, interrupting the Samoa Joe interview and, and stuff like that. It's, you know, it, I can, I can do without it. Cause I, what I want fundamentally is, I suppose from this, it's just somewhat more of a serious product. Like mm. that's our big complaints ever since the comedy has come in into the mix and the kind of silliness, which has coincided with a lot of MJF stuff that that's been part of the problem. It's like that tonal shift is something they need to kind of recover from. And the continental classic has kind of worked for that. Even if it hasn't, we still haven't seen the absolute killer match, but then you save them no. for the semi, you save them for the semis and the final, I imagine is what they're thinking of doing, but you know, it's a G1, for example. It, you know, the classic matches just appeared in fucking random places at times because it was down to the combination of people. Yeah. Um, and you're kind of getting that a little bit on a smaller scale. It's like, you know, on on Collision, I enjoy Brody King and Claudio more than I thought I would. Like, Brody King, someone who a lot of people are very high on, just doesn't really translate yeah. to me. I kind of feel the same way about Claudio, and I think I just accept it's a me problem. Um, I just don't find the man interesting. Um, Christian was a me problem. Maybe Claudio is too. But like both of them have been surprising me. Like Both of them have been, like especially Brody Story, the talent, like with yeah. having him having him actually pick up these wins and 
bust these fucking coupons. Like that's been a big positive for me, like of of the tournament so far. I thought that was a a cracking like match to, to open uh, open uh, open collision. I thought Andrade and Daniel Garcia was fine. Um, again, the Daniel yeah. Garcia story. I think once we get further down the line, they tell it the right way. I think I'm going to be into. If we get to the point where, and this is ghetto booking, if him getting a fucking draw with Danielson, and if you can book it away where that feels like the biggest win in the world, I honestly think that's where they're headed. Or maybe I'm just hoping for that because that's what I've chosen my pickums. But like, I can see that story longer term, even if you know Andrade, you know, is just he's, he's one of those wrestlers. He's better idea than uh, in theory than uh, than practice. I think um, you know, <laughs> fine match though in the middle of it. And I think I've said that about. Uh, I'd say I'll, I'll be saying that about because this was Andrade's first match. Uh, all of his uh, his matches uh, maybe in this tournament, but I always say that about his, his week to week. But yeah, I felt like Danielson Kingston was very very good. You know, it was four stars, like no doubt for me. No, no lower than that, but also no higher than that. You know, I think it was mm. good, but I, I'm not. I don't even want to put a butt on it. It was good, and it was a four star match. It wasn't. Four half stars higher, like type of thing. It was just a nice little match with a nice little story. You know, Danielson's, you know, coming back fresh from industry injury. So there's probably gonna be a bit of a ceiling on there. So don't get me wrong, I wasn't, you know, massively doing somersaults on it or calling it like, you know, a, a G1 top level match, but it was definitely, you know, middle of the G1, you know, one of those memorable ones that you might remember from. I remember that year where I mean, Nora Suzuki and AJ Styles got match of the year in there oh, yeah. in, in all the polls, like for a match that just happened on a random like day six or seven. It felt a bit like that, if maybe on like a on a on a on a lower scale. Um, but you know, there's there's a million. It's one of those matches that's going to hold up to a lot of repeat viewing as well because there's you know the, the all the uh, the million little things in the match that I'm sure uh, Gareth will. Uh, I love out of it, and you know nobody sells lost better than Eddie Kingston. Nobody, you know, fights from underneath and then makes you feel like he's your equal, like like Danielson did. There was there was a lot to love in the match. It was just maybe I wouldn't go as far as uh, as some. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go absolutely berserk for it, but then I don't know. In in some ways, I think I kind of accepted the fact that perhaps that's not the story that they're going to try and tell. They're going to try and almost save it for the for the very end. How much of this stuff are we really going to remember? It's probably going to be those tiebreaker ones, like you say, the Daniel Garcia story that they should be telling, because you don't want to have like the inexplicable. Because if he loses all of the matches, then it's just a fucking waste of time. Because he's not like he's ever going to have the opportunity to have brilliant matches in those six. Not going to have six. I think that's possibly the the issue with it is it's very good wrestling at a time where we get loads and loads of very good wrestling. Therefore, like it has to kind of really stick out. And I think that's the thing with the Continental Classic is we haven't had that. And with all of the G1 analogies, I think the stuff that ends up standing out is stuff that feels like on a truly high level, which let's be honest, we haven't seen a lot of, we haven't seen that really for a few years. It feels like, It's it's like almost like a mythical dream. Yeah, when we, we say G one, we're not talking the evil G one or like no. the one from this year or last year. You know, oh. we're going back a bit, aren't we? So we are cherry we picking G one too, aren't we? We, we are cherry picking for that. But it's but it's adding a good structure for yeah. this, and it's adding at least some serious storytelling. And it feels like there is a plan that's very much in place. Is really what should this be doing? Is everyone is going to be getting interesting directions as an offshoot of it? Of these are 12 people that are going to be like a focus of the TV and it's going to be someone like a Brody King. I'm grateful because mm. it's somewhat of a breath of fresh air as well. Mm. It's like, okay. And it feels like the crowd are wanting those types of people 
as well to yeah. come through. People haven't been given a chance. I think that's why he's been given these kind of really good receptions because it's like, oh, okay, this is like a, a kind of like an interesting dark horse that they've thrown into the mix of someone who's just been part of a stable, but in fact is actually getting like, yeah. say, those coupon busting wins story being told that uh, it's like the kingston yeah. thing it's like you know i said this week one when we were pretty lukewarm on the matches and i don't want it to sound like i didn't enjoy danielson kingston because i did i love i love danielson being a bully you know i love kingston being like the world's saddest man when he when he gets put in these positions and his promos you know in loss are as good as as anybody's you know and it just his general demeanor you know surrounding this loss as good as anybody's fucking danielson basically being a bully um at a point in this match and you know especially in the post match putting the uh the sign on him and stuff like that and kingston yeah. now the story with him isn't those first two matches the story's gonna be you know as much as we don't really buy it he put his two belts on the line in this tournament and now he's gonna have to come back now he's literally going to have to go undefeated because, yeah. as Connor rightly points out in the chat, you could be eliminated from this tournament in match three, which is a a bit of a bug, you know, compared to a, to a G1. But you can make it a feature in a, in a character like like Eddie Kingston. You just can't lose now. I think we'll be into that. I think, you know, that yeah. once we get into the deeper levels and, and later in December with this tournament, we'll be bang into that story. You know, there's, there's things you can do. And he can sell it better than anyone. I mean, I've long thought of all of the kind of like interesting and original characters and wrestlers yeah. that are around AEW. Orange Cassidy, for example, yeah. is certainly one of them who's, who's won me around. But Eddie Kingston is the other one of like that believable underdog who doesn't have the look, doesn't really have like the move set necessarily, but has the kind of absolute like like that will to win to kind yeah. of completely grit his teeth and get through. You have to tell that story and we would believe it as well. And it's something that like, if that means you're getting to like him and Moxley, ultimately that from a storyline perspective works, it feels like a massive reboot for Eddie Kingston. And as someone who like, is just like that interesting face of pushing to the top line mix, you want them to be do a main character on TV. Should be a main character on TV. He should have been this for a while. And there's been various reasons as to, as to kind of why not. But he should be there. Not good reasons. There's been reasons. I just don't think they're actually great reasons because I think what he adds is a completely different edge and complex to to every other person there. Because he, you believe him, and that's kind of what you want. Is he's the person who gets that real level of emotion, even when he does like the kind of promo packages at the start of Collision, where he just looks annoyed that you've asked him to do it. Kind of like Roy Keane in many ways, isn't it? Like you're trying to get him to do fun stuff. There is those kind of like slightly Roy Keane-ish style vibes. But yeah, if that's the story that if that's the story we end up going through now for the next four weeks, where he he can't lose, then you, these these are the building blocks they have to take. It's tell the good stories. They're not going to be selling loads of tickets for it to bring it back to the kind of the early debate. Are the TV reigns going to go massively up? No, but what it's going to be doing is delivering consistently good product with stories that are easy to follow and logical and that's the thing about these kind of tournament style booking which wrestling never does particularly well is if you don't overcomplicate it and you think of it in like the kind of like simplest of terms these are the things that work the idea of a wrestler being out of a tournament but he has to win the next four matches that's easy to understand you have to be pretty thick not to get that or to go well, well there's you know some Americans are struggling with the graphs, mate. Uh, I don't know if you've seen anything on Twitter, but like some people get very confused by an X, a three, and a zero. And I, and I, and I, and I, do they not understand how numbers work? <laughs> I can't help them. That's a, or it's a failing, a much bigger failing of the American school system. 
either way, like I, I'm still not buying their excuses for it. But yeah, it's the it, this is this is simple storytelling, like in in its purest form, which you can then have some cracking promos about as well. But I'm going to enjoy watching the Continental Classic, like for this mm-hmm. it is against all of the issues I have with it. Do I think it's been a good thing for AWTV? Yes, it has done. Mm-hmm. And but like you say, the the issues we have in terms of you don't have all your best wrestlers in there for one. But mm. is it going to serve a function at the end of it of giving directions to people and everything else? Yeah. Whether or not mm. it truly clutters up the title division and Christ knows at this point. But I'm gonna cross we'll cross that road when we come to it at World's End, mate. Oh. We are in a weird position because they're doing those Canada shows this week. So like oh, yeah. uh, the Continental Classic matches and of Kenny Omega versus Ethan Page that was uh, set up on uh, on this past week's collision, which is a random one. Um, <laughs> Ethan Page looked well. He looked good. He can always cut a promo. Didn't necessarily make me interested in a match with uh, him and Kenny Omega, but they're taping them tonight. Um, yeah. At the time of recording, it's Tuesday at the uh, in Montreal, and then there's a show tomorrow which is uh which is dynamite which is a bit of a a weird kind of a situation we uh, we find ourselves in with collision being taped before uh, dynamite but again you can kind of do that with tournament action and having the yeah. hard split between the uh the blue and uh, and gold group uh kind of makes that make sense but yeah that's um obviously coming up uh, on collision at the weekend we can talk a bit about that um but yeah dynamite um coming up this week um which will also be from uh, from montreal um, Tony Storm, Sky Blue, uh, paying off uh, Sky Blue, being on TV every 10 minutes. Uh, Jay Lethal, Jay White, Mark Briscoe, Swerve Strickland, the John Moxley, Rusha, the Continental Classic matches. Not exactly the most exciting three, but, you know, decent enough matches. But, yeah, that's uh, maybe a weekend night for uh, for this block. Uh, MJF and Samoa Joe against your mask goons is, uh, is going to be on the show this week. And the other big thing they've been setting up, JP, Christian Cage and, uh, and our boy Cope, it's happening on TV. Um, not doing it on a, on a pay-per-view or whatever. We're just getting it. Uh, we get, uh, presumably there'll be a rematch at some point. But yeah, I suppose doing it in Canada was uh, was too hard to, uh, to pass up. What have you uh, thought about the uh, the last bit of uh, build they've, uh, they've done for that one? And yeah, what you do? Excitement levels for it is Christian Cage somehow made you interested in, uh, in Adam Copeland. <laughs> Do you know what? He has. And we no praise where praise is due. I say he has. As much as I can be interested in a match between these two, whose paths have been, like their careers have been linked together since the fucking midnight, what, 1996 or whatever. <laughs> so it feels like, okay, this is the only way, I suppose, in, I could be kind of interested. And it was like, you know, the nut shot and everything else and him turned to go mm. fuck himself, I thought was like we mentioned on the weekend update, I thought that was that was pretty decent. Um, like, I say interested in it, it's... I'm glad they're doing it on TV because I don't think as a pay-per-view match, I, what would it have added? And it would have ended up dragging it out. And I think while you've got Adam Copeland, mm. have this match, have Christian win due to a load of bollocks because there's no way he should be dropping his title to Adam Copeland. There's just no way. Like I, I, I think they might do. That wouldn't be the 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 biggest surprise. I, I don't particularly like it I, because I'm just really generally enjoying this run, run. And have Adam Copeland have for Edge. Oh, I don't want to. I'm sick of saying Adam Copeland all the time. Or cope. <laughs> have, have him have those matches against the people he hasn't had, like the Kenny Omegas of the world and other stuff, where there is much more of a. Mm, never thought we'd see this kind of scenario because that is probably the best use of him for as long as you've got him, which hopefully isn't for that long. 
like mm. for two years. Is this as good as he possibly? I, I've probably enjoyed him in here more than I enjoyed him in anything I saw him in his WWE return, bar him coming back at the Royal Rumble. Outside of that, yeah, I'd love for us to just move on. It's the only thing for me. I'd like it this to be it, but I don't think it is going to be. I, I'm, I could keep saying I'm no. speaking suspicion. They'll do a TLC match at the pay per view. Just weird timing to do this Montreal show now. I know mm. again, I know it's Canada. Maybe that's the thinking, but I, I just can't see this yeah. being a blow off. I'm not necessarily excited about Adam Copeland versus, you know, when he, in his opening promo when he talks about, oh, I could wrestle Kenny Omega or I could wrestle, and you, you listen to all these young wrestlers. None of those matches particularly excite me, but at least we'll get to see what he can offer away from Christian. And I think there's been, I, I, for me, I'm still a bit of a stick in the mud in that I, I've enjoyed Christian's work. I still don't really think they've done enough to make me believe <laughs> in this feud and that they hate each other because there is so much in there and even comes across in their promos about how, you know, they brought up each other's kids and the wives know each other and, the, you know, you know all that in real life and I know that's not necessarily kayfabe, but when you make it part of the kayfabe story too, I struggle to buy the, the cartoon villain elements of Christian, I suppose, is rubbed up against the real life story they're trying to tell with the two of them mm. you know what i mean it just doesn't really translate this christian really was looking after edge's kids and stuff like that it just i don't know something about it's just a bit much for me so i'll be glad to get them away from each other i like christian being in his yeah. maniacal little world and copeland can maybe do something interesting let's hope with one of the young wrestlers he so desperately wants to work i'd just like to get it done with i bet it'll be good though I, I, i'm sure like it'll be good you know um so you know, maybe maybe we'll get a small mess and it'll be over with after Dynamite, but I can't say it's going to be at a a bad match in it in any way. Um, but yeah, any other thoughts on it? Uh, oh yeah, that. <laughs> say that there's a lot on this Dynamite three continental classic matches. You know, say there's. I'm not going to get into the argument Meltzer and uh, Alvarez did about the. Uh, the, uh, the the DVR and uh, and having to set it for the uh, the program afterwards because we have a rock about it, mate. Is that, is that oh yeah, well apparently there? Dynamite keeps having an overrun in the uh, the chat. What year is this? I suppose they're uh, they're in that uh, that physical words world still, um, but there'll probably be an overrun. But I still don't think uh, I think there's too much on the show for them to go too long. Um, any guesses on what's going to happen with this MJF and uh, story? Like I say, can't be a match. I, I think a no. match is false advertising, so maybe that saves you some time there. And it feels like false advertising, even on the graphic, because all you're seeing there is MJF and Samoa Joe. They're not even just doing versus two blank figures. I just expect there to be yeah, some sort of distraction or Adam Cole lying down in the back pretending that he's been mm -hmm. beaten up and then MJF mm -hmm. runs out of there and other stuff like that. I think they're the, the only kind of directions that it goes in um, mm -hmm. for that. So I think outside, like, I think that's where they go there. It's, mm -hmm. it, it, it's probably going to be, and again, looking at this dynamite, it's probably going to be, again, wrestling heavy. It's going to be match heavy. Like, mm. yes, there'll be storylines and stuff into the mix. And if it's that over what we get, what we had a few weeks ago, where, you know, remembering we had the same skit involving Adam Cole, Roderick Strong and the Kingdom that went on for like mm. three weeks in a row and in one week they repeated it twice. Like, we're not getting that. And I'll take that at this stage. Thank heavens for small mercies. But I'm expecting it to be, and hopefully, I'm now I'm expecting, I'm going to, predict it. it'll be a decent episode of dynamite mm. it's it's like they're working their way through stuff to get to this pay-per-view and you're hoping that the reset that is in place is kind of okay the, the world's end show is going to be effectively okay this is where we put our foot forward for who are the people we're going to be going with in 2024 
Hmm. I guess we'll uh, we'll see. But yeah, unless you've uh, got more on uh, on AEW, should we uh, we switch the channel and uh, do some oh. follow up as we continue to be the Raw broadcast, mate? We uh, we need to talk a bit about uh, what's going on uh, over on uh, on WWE. Um, don't you tune out, fair listeners, because. There isn't much to say. Uh, poor Steph stayed up yeah. last night and watched the entirety of Raw. Um, I'd have missed the, uh, the bullet and that uh, the punk wasn't going to be there. Even I only lasted an hour. Um, <laughs> he's uh, he's going to be uh, he's going to be on SmackDown this week and also Raw next week. Um, you know, for 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 big punk fans, we all know that punk is a gigantic fan um, of the military um, and of the troops. So uh, in a great irony, is returned to SmackDown this week. He's going to be on the tribute to the troop show. Now I joke, but like. I think it's actually going to be quite interesting. I know we, we spent a lot of time on numbers with AEW, but like from like a WWE point of view, like SmackDown this past week had uh, the, the lowest audience on Fox in 2022. But what I actually thought was interesting was lying beneath that figure. Uh, and obviously, they were up against apparently the Pac 12 championship game, JP. Apparently, that's really important. Uh, I don't get uh, that American college football because they oh, they got a bowl game. It's not like it's a fucking system that works. It just appears to be, oh, there's this league <laughs> and they only play these lads. And they're like, well, what's the fun in that? Like, it seems when shit. When I played in my school, mate, like one or two people's dads would turn up and no one else would come and watch it. It's a, it's a weird fucking country. Yeah. Um, but what I thought was notable, like from those weak numbers, it did actually have a decent 18, 18 to 34. Mm. And as our friends at Post Wrestling have actually written up the big segments of the show, and this is one for Matty, Randy Orton. Um, apparently, and again, we said this last week with Raw, Randy Orton's segment was the uh, was the big winner in the uh, in the three-hour Raw, and people didn't, people did to a point, but not in massive numbers, stuck around for Punk, as many as watched there, uh, Randy Orton. Randy Orton might get another win here as, uh, yeah, the audience increased 13% uh, to 2.3 million viewers and 14% in the year. Uh, very important, 1849 for a monster, 941,000. So it's just in 1849 that beats pretty much every Dynamite that I can think of for the last few months, um, the Randy Orton segment on SmackDown. And I tell you what, honestly, rest of the SmackDown pretty mid and boring. Bit like uh, the bits of raw that I saw from last night, but the other segment was actually well done. This whole, oh, is he going to sign for the blue band? Is he going to sign for the red brand? As much as that's easy to make fun of, they delivered it quite well. And I think uh, Randy having a, just a good time out there, being this gigantic Batista-looking babyface now, um, and enjoying the babyface reactions that he's got. Hasn't wore off on me yet. Now the bell's gonna ring, JP, um, and I'll be done with yeah. Randy Orton once again, as I pretty much always am when that happens. But it actually made for good TV, and it'll be actually interesting to see whether uh, Punk has. We will for for observer ballots going forward, JP. We need to pay attention to this and see does Punk do a better number than Randy Orton on SmackDown? Don't know what your uh, prediction uh, is there. I don't really care whether he ends up on red or blue. I prefer he ends up on SmackDown because it's two hours worth of homework versus three hours worth yeah. of homework. If I want to keep up with what he's up to. I, I suspect he's going to be on Raw, because he's going to be on Raw next week uh, as well. He is actually going to be on that show. But the interest for me is going to be, yeah, is he is CM Punk a drawing? Like, the do they well? We know there's plenty of numbers out, uh, you know, over the last week or so about T-shirt sales, and yep. I think he, he's the first man in five months to, uh, to with that nice T-shirt he's wearing, wearing the graphic there, to actually uh, do over LA Knight, who's apparently been the, uh, the top match in WWE the last five months or so. So he's making them money that way. But is he actually a drawer in 2023 WWE? I think, you know, if we didn't get it fully answered on Raw, we might get it answered on this uh, the SmackDown this week. There you go. I think we will, because it will, re whether he goes to Team Red or Team Blue, will never hold any interest for me. It might as well be which Saudi football club does a player sign for. Is it Al Hilal, Al Hilal or is it Al Nasser? And I go, couldn't give a shit either way. 
They both mean nothing to me and they're paid for by the same money. So what's the fucking point? So I think of the few things you can take from this, it is, okay, merchandise-wise, his merch has always looked cool. And it's that that kind of like trademark kind of hand holding the lightning bolt stuff is has always been like like very a very canny kind of branding. That's the one thing he's always been in charge of. But like you say, I think with the rating, if you're gonna ask me he's gonna do better than Randy Orton, yeah, because this was a lower one as well. Again, there'll be probably some massive high school fucking basketball game on that will draw fifty five million or something mad like that, because that's the way, like you mentioned earlier on, those college sports work. But mm. I think SmackDown will do a better number, just simply, mm. again, because it's back off F- FS1. There'll be another week. There might have been the off uh, the kind of issue with that as well. Um, yeah, like you, if he ends up on SmackDown, it gives us a couple more days for me to try and tolerate SmackDown. Because I, I sat through a 17-minute, was it that Raw recap they do on YouTube, and that was enough for me. And there were people saying there was good wrestling on there. I was like, I'm sure there, there might well have been. I will never know because I will never see it. So it, it, it doesn't exist in in my world. But again- Drew's match was good. Drew and Sammy had a decent match at Raw this week, I will say. It was probably, okay. probably other, than, other than Danielson and Kingston was probably the best TV match of the week. And that's on fucking Raw. Now you've got to sit through two and a half hours more if you fancy being a completist. And some of those two and a half hours were uh, was it a, a DIY two out of three falls match with the... Uh, the former ring camp, which I feel like is getting overrated in some circles, but that match itself was actually good, if not to the uh, obvious high standard of, uh, of Kingston and, uh, and Danielson. Hey, th- this McIntyre character, it's as interesting as I've been in him in WWE. Just mm. him as justifiable heel at last. We've cut to the chase and we've got there, but mm. I think I would have been saying the same thing about Roman Reigns turning heel. It's like, good, there's like a natural place for like where this person should be. And that's where Drew McIntyre should be. And he's being used. It Again, the thing that I kind of take away from Raw and whatnot, and I think the reason why Randy Orton works is everyone's being kind of booked strong. Even if people mm. are losing, they are being booked strong. That that was always the killer of the Vince years in the 2000s, mm. was the way that he would go out of his way to book people poorly and book them mm. so they looked weak. Jey Uso doesn't lose stuff by losing to Seth Rollins. I don't think that massively affects. Same thing with Sami Zayn. He's positioned as a top guy on Raw. Mm-hmm. And I think for those reasons, like that's part of the reason the connection is there. And it's like Randy Orton is another interesting person to put into that kind of mix. So they've got their for focus a of the... Not for a little while. <laughs> but not for like, long. But I also think there's Roman, enough... Roman feud, Cody feud... Yeah. Just go get injured again for another two years, mate. Go work the house shows. <laughs> Fine by me. Yeah. Yeah. Fine by me. Let him do that. He can do that all day long. I'm all right with that in the meantime. But this is the thing about when we speak about that, like kind of AEW in the bigger way, where there's that level of disorganization, the things we've mm. seen about it. This is where WWE is so rigidly organized at the moment that, like, the TK, mm. the merger and everything else, and having Triple H in control where it doesn't feel like he's going to. He can't be, he'd have to really fuck up to be ousted. And he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who will fuck up to be ousted because he realizes effectively like WWE for all intents and purposes is his company. Yeah. Not from a business perspective, but creatively there isn't anyone else who they're going to be likely to go to. And Mm. it's competency is his kind of buzzword. It's, it was Mm. him as a wrestler. He's like, I'm going to make sure I can like, at least I can work this kind of match, even as much as we may not have liked it. Well, he, 
he books in a certain way and he books competently and methodically and you've got it up on screen in terms of the ticket distribution I Compare think it's that amazing. Earlier. Yeah. Look at that difference year on year. It's the opposite. 40% up 43%, quarter two, quarter three up 31%, quarter four up 37%. That's just SmackDown. Raw's got a got a similar thing. There's a similar pattern with the ratings, although SmackDown softened a little bit there the last month or so. I think lack of John Cena and dare I say it, Roman Reigns yeah. probably hurting that. But look at those numbers. Quarter one, Raw was up 51%, like in ticket sales, like 38% in Q2. You know, like massive, like big numbers. It's again, it's tailed off a little bit later in the year, but still. But it's again, it's like the pay per views. They had a remarkable run for them mm. of really good big shows that we found ourselves through gritted teeth having to praise every month. Cracking edition of WrestleNomics Radio, this isn't it? Uh, it I is. Am oh, God. <laughs> I'm the other bloke, <laughs> the Chris Gullo. But yeah, certainly not Lucky right, Garner right. anymore. He'd be disgusted at this kind of talk. <laughs> um, it, 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 but it is the thing where they are just a, a very consistent company at this stage. And I think the thing, even with the softening of SmackDown numbers, like the, the broader point is, have they put people into the mix and made them feel more important than what they have been? I mean, the only person you'd say would have softened, and it's partly because it would it was like lightning in a bottle for a bit, was Sami Zayn. And I think even then we were kind of prepared for it all to go to shit the moment he lost mm -hmm. to Roman. And it hasn't quite pleasantly. Mm -hmm. And he's still an important factor in there. And mm -hmm. they've done a good job of, in the main, like Jey Uso on Raw, from what I can tell, from the couple of minutes I saw, because again, I wasn't going to watch like a Seth Rollins match if I don't have to. It's like with a gun against my head or a recording and it's like, all right, we've got this pay-per-view. So I'll do everything in my power to avoid them. He's a, he's a, it's worked in terms of this, and this is this is their strength at the minute. Is there's a level of organisation and competency that hasn't been around in AEW. Mm -hmm. That it feels like the Continental Classic is a way of kind of turning that around. Where we go, actually, we we need something logical to kind of go to where we can follow it week to week, and it forces them to plan in advance. Mm. Whereas WWE, yeah, they've been planning in advance for ages. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, so Pollock's got on post-wrestling, if you want more numbers, looking at like SmackDown and Raw viewership, and it's all mostly up year on year, like I say, with a bit of a softening in November on there, especially on SmackDown, and obviously, you know, um, the lack of John Cena and potentially Roman Reigns yeah. is, uh, is key to that. Um, so that's me. Matty can spin that as a positive for Roman or a, or another positive for Roman, whichever way you want to say that. Um, <laughs> and Roar is, you know, with Punk coming back, as Pollock says in his piece, definitely feels good. Us Nobeds watching it last week, got me even watching a decent chunk of it this week. Um, feels a bit more must-see with the Punk stuff going on. With to a point the Randy Orton stuff going on, but like I say, I can I can definitely stomach a Randy Orton there uh, jo jobbing to Roman Reigns and then turn and heel and then jobbing to Cody Rhodes on the way to uh, to WrestleMania. That's probably as much as that will get my interest. But it, it's it's stuff there that they don't usually have in there. Usually, what is a dull November December period before the Royal Rumble with no big pay per view either. There's only the NXT show, isn't there? Deadline that's, uh, that's yeah. coming up. Yeah, that's um, this weekend. Yeah, yeah, we'll be previewing that. We'll figure out who those people are at some point, JP. We all will. the fucking, all of the, all of the YouTubers seem to love NXT. Like every single like person like who's out there who's covering wrestling in that broader kind of world. NXT is the greatest thing. Apparently, there's a wrestler called Stacks on there. I don't know. The women are great. Uh, Mafia uh, lad, not for us. Yeah. <laughs> QT Marshall will join them, and then maybe I'll watch it if he joins that stable at some point. 
Well, it'll be it'll be the star that he knows he is, isn't it? The only person, I, the, the only people I'll ever listen to, really, regarding NXT, are Poison Rana, and I'll always take what what <laughs> yeah. Davy and Braden say. And I think I know Davy was like raving about a main event they had, the the four way, which involved mm-hmm. was it Johnny Gargano and Bronson Reed mm-hmm. and Wesley and things like that. And that's a better product for yeah. for what it is. And I'm sure we'll end up enjoying that show when we come around. But yeah. I couldn't tell you. Off the top of my head, anything that's on there. Actually, no, I tell you, like, Ilya Dragunov, Baron Corbin. So I reserve oh. the right to change that statement I made 10 seconds ago. <laughs> we'll edit it in post. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like Raw and SmackDown, I'll watch it at arm's length. And of course, you know, it doesn't get the, uh, you know, the, the, the analysis because I don't think anyone wants to hear it on a, on a Raw and SmackDown that we're going to give a dynamite. So it is given that little bit of leeway. But yeah, like the bits I saw from Raw and SmackDown, I did enjoy. And there was plenty of it. There isn't for me either, uh, especially a three hour Raw in general and some of the other shite, shite that happens on SmackDown, backstage segments and the like, and just the old overall general vibe but gotta call a spade a spade and yeah that's what that's where we are i'll be watching smackdown on friday to see what punk does um it'll be interesting yeah, to see where they go with the uh the orton and uh it looks like orton versus the bloodline so that's uh that's obviously a cue for i think roman's got a couple of uh december smackdowns on his docket so we'll see uh where we are before rumble before we move on for do there be any any predictions or did, did we buy any of the uh the speculation about mania we talked on the weekend show punk austin being a thing i've i probably even since we recorded that and that news broke that night i'm just less and less into that i just don't yeah. i don't think i was that into it like 10 years ago <laughs> i think i was just like oh it was cool for a wb 2k13 promo oh, it was cool when uh when there's a real in fact I'll, I'll throw this out there on the wb youtube just to give them a little bit of credit You've thrown an hour and 20 minutes CM Punk in WWE highlights video on YouTube. Never thought I'd see the day that happened again. It's fucking great. Goes through his entire WWE run and pretty much covers all the good and big moments from the ECW run to the World Heavyweight title run to the pipe bomb and then into like loads of stuff I'd forgotten that he'd done. Obviously, the, the bit that we're probably going to do a deep cut on at one point, you know, the Straight Edge Society and all that great stuff with, with Ray and Dominic and all that, which I'm sure they'll bring up when he uh, eventually crosses paths with, uh, with Dominic at at some point even into like the later stuff with Heyman that was all great stuff it's genuinely a good watch it's like an hour and 15 minutes like the best of punk in WWE timeline or something like that I'd, I'd say yeah. watch it honestly and um, it kind of got me uh we kind of uh me into it but yeah in that they had they had the little clip of uh of punk and, uh, and Austin during the uh during the Nexus run of punk which is uh, is one we should probably quickly forget and it was like yeah I remember around the time thinking oh that'd be cool um, you know, a couple of great promo guys, you know, I think it would be a, you know, a natural fit with Punk being the straight edge guy and Austin being the drinker. Um, I've seen Will say that in our Discord this week. I don't necessarily fully agree that that was all the few could be, but it would have been an element of it. In the end, it would have just been two great promo guys. Like I said to you on the weekend show, it would probably be more like two equals than with respect, Austin and Kevin Owens was. Owens was more a, a heel of the week there to bump and feed for uh, for Austin. Um, yeah. And, you know, talk, talk it up and then just get his comeuppance at the pay-per-view. With all that said, do I actually want to see it in 2023? <laughs> not really. Uh, but I don't know really. Not. That was going to be my question. If not that, what is the plan, you know, going into Mania? Presumably the Seth Rollins feud still happened. They dropped a, a nugget of that on Raw. Drew, Drew McIntyre threw a little dig at Punk, so maybe they'll go to that at some point, but what do you think? Do you think we stick to the uh, to the Roman Cody plan? Do you think Punk gets inserted in there somewhere? Do you think it's Punk Austin? Do you think it's Punk whoever at WrestleMania? What's your uh, what's your gut on it? Ah, uh, my gut says they're going to do Punk Austin if they can because mm. they're going to look at it from a money perspective and what is a bigger what is a bigger show for them because it will be partly 
And I don't know when the Peacock deal comes up. They're going to want to get their viewership up as much as possible. And Punk and Austin will do that. Am I interested in it? No, because from a match perspective, is it going to be any better than the Kevin Owens match? Probably not. Like, it really isn't. Like, it's more their minds and the working. And the and Austin back in. Yeah. Like, we've seen it now. That's a massive factor. We've seen him come back. So there isn't the, the, like, we know, can he do a certain type of match at this point with bells and whistles? Yeah. Mm. Um, but we've seen it. There's, therein mm. lies the problem. And are the promos going to be so great to take away from it? It's like, well, first of all, can we get the Stone Cold Sessions bit out? Like, that's, that for me is like kind of like the, like my, where it should be almost beginning from it. They are going to be doing it. What they should be doing, <laughs> and again, I don't like Seth Rollins. Is they should be start. They should be going to the Seth Rollins feud. It should be. Yeah. You've created this world title. Well, what's going to give it the most kind of credibility is is probably CM Punk in that. I think out of spite they wouldn't give it to him. I think they'd have Seth Rollins retained. I think that that would be the the direction they'd go in. But it feels like we're getting that kind of possibly fast forwarded in. I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. to see it at the Royal Rumble that they go. Yeah, that's what point. I mean. Then yeah. what do you do? And I, I don't have an answer. I don't know where he, where he fits in because I think you've got to do Cody and Roman. I think, like you said on the weekend yeah. show, Punk and Roman feels more tail end the next year. Build to that long term. Do something with Heyman if he's still around. Um, well, can't really do Lesnar. That's been done. Kevin Owens would be, like I said, far more interesting prospect than Seth Rollins. But I bet, I bet the real life Kevin uh, Steen is uh, probably not necessarily up for that. Uh, see, yeah, I, I would. Don't know. I said it on the weekend show, like. For a company now, we talk about their competency. Well, what is the competent, very good business decision? You go, well, the idea is you want to have those stadium shows being fucking massive. So how do you load them up? Well, put Punk Austin on SummerSlam. Do that there. Like, that's a show that could do with it. And again, you've already sold out WrestleMania. So you're going to do, like, you're going to have a real live bump on there as well at the Mm. same time. Like, again, I'm like kind of agree with Seth. Do I want to see it? No, not really. Like you, even when I was listening back to the YouTube clip, I was just like, bloody, I'm not that excited about it now. Now, now in like thinking about it, I already can imagine what the light match is like in my head. And that's always the dangerous game for me. It's like, well, do I want to see it? Because in my head, it can last as long as I want it to, because it's my head and I'm in control of it. Um, and I think with this, like, like, if they're thinking about this logically, you want to space out those big punk matches for each of the big shows. So you'll want him in, you'll have him in the rumble. You'll want him in like the elimination chamber because it's in like in a stadium again, and they want that to be big. And I heard them getting (coughs) what paid about 16 million for that as well, which is fucking nuts Mm. for them going to Perth. So you want to be able to spread out those appearances where they have the most kind of bang for the buck and add something to those shows because, again, it keeps up that like kind of business case and it almost keeps them in that hot product position of being able to have this person kind of carefully spaced out. But I do wonder at times with them, are they going to want to do that with Punk? Because it feels like, again, like, yeah. What do you do then? You have him kind of killing time. Do you want him as champion straight away? That's going to rub people up the fucking wrong way as well, backstage. Well, like yeah. Andy says, are they going to test them? They're going to do what they did with when Brock came back and he lost the Cena right away. Is he going to lose to Seth? That He's going it. to eat some crow and lose to that. Oh, I can't stand the idea of that. Like fucking Seth. I'm just, I'm so not into like the uh, this wet Seth Rollins comedy character going up against Punk and trying to do kind of work, some work shoot thing while still doing his. 
his funny song and his funny movements and his I'm so wacky kind of game. Oh, I hate it. I want that. To, if and I know it's happening, so I'm not even, you know, I'm not in denial, but I just hope it happens at Rumble and we get something more interesting for Mania. Maybe Austin is the business call. Like the chat are saying, maybe Gunther's something I'd be banging to. I'd love that, but I, I don't yeah. know whether they do that. Um, yeah, I guess we'll, uh, I guess we'll see. But yeah, I, I think they'll stick the course with Cody and, uh, Cody and, uh, and, and Roman, oh, yeah. and it'll be something surrounding that. I don't think he's taking any on spot, but Punk and Cody is happening. Oh, sorry, I want to see as well. At some point, just knock me, uh, me mic over there. But uh, there we, we have got a loon yeah, in the room. <laughs> that's that's a massive help. Who isn't going to change things at the last minute? There isn't that kind of person who says, "Ah, oh, we're gonna we're gonna have this happen." That's not mm-hmm. going to happen because if that if Adam Pearce yeah. tries it, he's going to be told to fuck about the room. Bruce Pritchard tries Punk it. Adam one on one, there you go. Get the uh, the gold bomb match. <laughs> yeah. um, Chicago, a couple of Chicago legends are up against each other. Punk and uh, and Pierce. I'm actually looking forward to them interacting on TV. Uh, also, Nick Aldis. That was a weird point of SmackDown. Like I was watching it, and it was like Pete Dunne followed by Pretty Deadly, followed by Nick Aldis. I was like, in a bizarre world, this could have been what what WWE UK was or NXT UK was. Instead, it's just SmackDown on a, on a given Friday now. Um, <laughs> what a world we live in. Eh? Uh, not that Pete Dunne was doing much interesting, but still. Um, <laughs> yeah, Butch turned on him. I found that out yeah. from the dad who um, who's into wrestling. He goes for oh, one of those... One of the fans who I'm assuming yeah, it would be it would be wrestle t- wrestle What culture that would be? You know the kind of a lot of the, the the places where where he would hear about it. And he was uh, yeah, he was telling me, oh yeah, he turned heel on him. And I was like, oh Luke Menzies, and I thought, okay, he's going to use a normal name like a regular human being. That'd be a good place to start. Can we call Pete Dunn Pete Dunn again. So at least it's a fucking. I think name. that's coming. Yeah. You know Triple H is going to work that out at some point. But while we're talking to WWE, and it's a good uh, segue into our, our yeah. next up. And, uh, yeah. Um, Kazushka Okada headed to WWE, maybe? Sort of? Kind of? Weird story, this one. Um, oh, yeah, he might be sport, Punk's opponent. But Sports Illustrated covering an Okada story is kind of wild in itself. Might tell you what the source is on the uh, Okada story that's... Uh, been doing the rounds over the uh, the last few days, JP. But yeah, apparently, according to uh, according to uh, to SI, uh, a set to become a, a free agent in uh, in 2024, as his uh, contract expires at the end of January, as you helpfully put in our show notes earlier. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. So there's every other New Japan wrestler's uh, contract yes. today in January. But this one does feel a little bit different. One that the stories made it to this point. Two that WWE are a potential suitor, like Dave Meltzer was saying on his radio show, that like there's always been interest, but they actually feel like they might get him this time. There's always going to be the AEW interest, but like, like we always like you know when we're talking about Osprey, it's like uh, hopefully we got it across. We know Osprey is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Cool. Like if I run a wrestling company, I want to, but it doesn't necessarily mean like there's space for him. You know, maybe. In a, he's an exceptional case and you just force it in regardless, but there's still a conversation to be had of where he actually fits in the grand scheme of things, even if you do probably want to make that work. A card is that times 10. You know, at one point, the best wrestler in the world. I'm not sure if I still believe that anymore, but, you know, maybe I've just got a little bit bored of him the last couple of years, but he feels like he'd be surplus to requirements for AEW as well, but I think it's just generally the fact that it's even a talking point. You know, there's all kinds going on with New Japan right now. Yeah, nobody do anything 
nobody talks about tag league. All people complain about is the new NJPW world player being a complete piece of shit. Um, there's a lot of like strife backstage, you know, Kevin Kelly, um, you know, leaving is quite a notable one recently. And there are little murmurs you hear about, you know, things not being great from a, from a money point of view um, in Japan for the, you know, for the foreign workers and just generally maybe the business side of things isn't where you'd want it to be with new Japan. All of that together actually does present like this is, it's coming from Sports Illustrated, but it feels like a bit of a clickbait story. But uh, is the smoke to this fire, JP, with, with all of that said? I think there is. I'm not very surprised. The The story that we'd always been told with Akada and in terms of what his contract, that he was the one person who was signed to a long-term contract. Mm-hmm. But if we look at this and we're realistically, from his perspective, in many ways, it's Harry Kane at Tottenham Hotspur. He's done everything he can do there. He's never going to be getting like the big, big kind of recognition <clears throat> because it's still ultimately the kind of, you know, big fish, small pond, he says in his best slagging off Spurs type way. Um, <laughs> Spurs it, like a true Arsenal fan. Oh, exactly. He says, yeah, who fucking scraped to win over Luton tonight, 4-3, which is <laughs> the first thing I'm looking at in bed is those fucking highlights. What the hell happened there? But do I think he's going to go? I mean... Justin Barrasso has a habit of this where there's big stories that end up going to him and it's partly because it's the platform with Sports Illustrated. And when it happens in this way, you think to yourself, okay, this is going to be something that's big. I think he looks at WWE. You've got to remember that T- that TNA experience he went through, it kind of scarred him like in terms of like coming over. But it also, in, in many ways, it kind of made him probably a bit more like kind of hard-nosed to what kind of worker he wants to be uh, in hmm. wanted to be in New Japan but he's done everything in New Japan and he holds pretty much all of the records and he already is a kind of legend and he's 36 and if you think hmm. to himself he does five years at a regular seven figure salary he can sort out dates like it's a big deal and WWE are going to be treated this is the first time we'd be coming in with somebody treating him like a with a proper level of respect that there wouldn't be this cloud of mm, the promo. Do I think it'll automatically work? No. Because as we've seen, like I thought when they signed Shinsuke Nakamura, a lot of us thought, oh Christ, this is like mm. a real, you know, imagine there was a time when the good brothers leaving New Japan and you thought, oh no, this is going to be trouble for them. They coped, they cope fine. And in sometimes it brings out the best in New Japan. And I think it's going to move them, it's just going to move them to, like forcing them to use the younger guys who they've threatened to use for a long time and feels like it's happening already feels like it's happening because it because mm. i my prediction would be naito beats sonata for the belt and then yota suji pretty much beats naito for the belt at the same way that like okada beat tanahashi and you get into that stage and we'll get shota umino into the mix and you might get your mm. ren Naritas and the various other people that they kind of brought through which is something they've needed to do for a long time in terms of refreshing their own roster. And they can't offer that money. And yeah. they, I think they creatively need it, New Japan, for, for something like this. And Okada needs a creative challenge. It's just him going to AEW. There's always... I don't like the off-ramp, say, that Osprey has of, oh, he can work New Japan. In some ways, I kind of, no, you want to see a wrestler kind of put a put like a nail in that. like That's, a, that's their bit of the career done. And in and in many ways, him going back there every once in a while, it doesn't feel like has he ever really left? 
and in AEW it's too packed and like this and that's my overall issue with it is whereas in WWE given who they are I think it's a better move for him I mean I said the same thing about Will Ospreay but it turned out him living in the UK and maybe he doesn't want to leave Japan and he doesn't need to there's all the, the kind of personal stuff that comes into it and maybe AEW will offer him that kind of deal as well but I think there's a this is as good as if he's ever going to go to WWE, go now. Yeah. But do I think he's leaving New Japan? Yeah. I don't think these stories come out for no apparent reason. And I think he should leave. It's interesting because I can see both sides on it. Like you can get into like, will the card actually be a fit on, on week to week TV? I don't know. Not based on his presentation. Like it was like any of the, any of the angles he did for the forbidden door shows. It was just, he was like this awkward gangly, you know, non-English speaking guy, just bloke wandering out in his white t-shirt and his blue jeans. Looks a bit like punk at Survivor Series, but less cool. <laughs> it was just like, you take him out of that presentation and you know, the weaknesses do show. Now, on that note, like, I can't see it both ways. I think on the one hand, you kind of want the good guys to win, or at least what we've traditionally called the good guys in AEW. And like, you know, you want an Osprey. We want to still see him have the best matches he can have. And most likely that's in AEW. Yours to WWE might have a better career. He might be, mm. dare I say it, based on current evidence. Might even get booked better, but we also what happened to Ricochet. So let's maybe, you know, punk breaks a little bit. But, you know, just from a smart fan wants to see good matches point of view, it's clearly a win for the good guys. Yeah. Osprey going to AEW. And there's also, at least from that point of view, the win of he's still going to do New Japan and do the big matches. If just from a pure fan point of view, I want to see that. Same would probably go for a card at all. Although, yeah, again, it just all appeals that little bit less. But there is a point to what you're saying. Like, although that's the obvious benefit, the negative is you don't have that full cutoff point. It, it doesn't feel fresh, Osprey in AW, because he's kind of already been in AW. I mean, if full time is a different, you know, or more full time, you know, is a different perspective. And, you know, we can be a bigger part of all in next year. So at least there's that. But it's not that fresh, is it? Especially if he is still doing New Japan. So I do see your point. And that would be the case with a, with a Carter as well. But it goes back to what we were saying, I think, either on the weekend show or on last week's Spotlight. And I was saying on the show with Steph, Triple H is very clearly, and whether it's working in practice or not, because I did get a bit of a pushback to those comments, like he's clearly trying to, it's a, it's a point he's doing on purpose, making sure that the Hispanic talent are treated as individuals and yeah. booked competently. And, you know, even stuff like little stuff like, you know, Damian Priest le leading into that side of his personality, you know, old man Vince McMahon would probably not have him, you know, wouldn't be allowed to call senior money in the bank. You know what I mean? That wouldn't No, you're supposed to be a goth. You can't also you can't also, you know, talk, talk about, you know, your, your heritage and stuff like that. You're one or the other, you know, in, in old man Vince's line, you know, but you've got like a, a laundry list of names across the roster. Some of which have been, you know, like the LWO ganged up into stables together. So there is that element of it. But there's a lot of Hispanic speaking, you know, Spanish speaking talents on the shows that are unique characters and pushed well. And, you know, given, you know, they're not just generic stereotypes. Same things kind of happening with the Japanese talent in WWE for a Tozawa, you know, clearly is, is, is a caricature. Nakamura is probably on the more positive end. 
of a bit of a caricature. You know, he's basically doing great muta, but he is being protected and booked. You only have to look at the women's division and look at, you know, the talent across that, like a an Asker who's been pushed for a number of years. And like there's a, a number of them there who have been, you know, relatively protected and relatively given, you know, a, a bit of a stage to, to be a star. They're doing that on purpose. I and I think maybe <laughs> That is with a view to get more talent like Anacard to come over. With a view to Triple H always liked that idea, didn't he? You know, it wasn't just an NXT thing. I want an NXT UK and I want NXT Europe and I want NXT Japan. He is a man who sees things in a more global way, I think, than Vince McMahon does. And he want maybe he doesn't necessarily want to do those NXT silos anymore, but he wants mm. those global stars. He wants those regional global stars in those different places. It's the Fast and Furious. Thing. Like the why was that the biggest yep. film in uh in, in, in world history? Because it had a diverse cast that represented the world that we live in. It's not just 10 poor walkers, you know what I mean? It's a smorgasbord of different races, sexes, and people from different different places, and that appealed to a more of a worldwide like demographic. I think that's absolutely a triple H business plan and probably a Nick Khan plan as well. And I think a card would fit in that perfectly, and I think they are. For all, I can't necessarily see him on Raw and SmackDown and imagine what that looks like, but it's not as ridiculous a proposition as it was under Vince McMahon WWE. That's it. Like, under Vince McMahon WWE, that wouldn't have happened. All of all of these things, and they are, even though they're all rooted in fundamentally, like, business and capitalism and the business of making money through mm. the use of diversification and niche markets and everything else, it's still a it's a sensible business decision, like it's the yeah. most sensible business decision. And you try selling that to TKO. This is what my bigger plan is. They're going to look at it and go, yeah, because what have UFC done? They run loads of fucking different places, all over the world, and they're like, yeah, this is going to completely work. And it also explains as much as we don't like it, the booking of Nakamura, of like actually we we're, we're using Nakamura in a. Con- in a consistent basis, in a strong way, in top-line programs. As much as the matches will end up disappointing and everything else, yeah, that's that's <laughs> like a that's like a come and get me to Akada of like kind of use, you know, throwing that into the mix of like, look, this isn't, that. AEW is not the only place where you can go to and you, you would do that. And, you know, it's a natural kind of like starting place as well for them to be able to. And the way that they'll push like, these two met in a tournament final. They won't mention which tournament, and they'll and the match they'll have won't be anywhere near as good as that. And like you say, the week to week and the reality of a card in WWE isn't something that's particularly exciting. But the idea of them getting him, I think, again, this is one where they lost Osprey pretty much because of a heart overhead decision. Here, I think this is going to be one where there's going to be like, no, actually we should really make a play for this guy because it's a, it's a big in into a market where they, they don't, they don't really do very well. Like in the scheme of things, if you think of how much like wrestling is consumed in Japan, they don't sell out sumo hall. They don't sell it. They don't run Budokan. They don't run the dome. They've helped out a few times for that type of stuff, but they've never really caught on. And I think also as well, it gives them the chance to produce, like, again, it's all incremental stuff, but taking away that one or, you know, that smaller part of the hardcore fan base who are going to want to see what Okada is doing if they manage to get there, which then in turn hurts their competition. So they'll look at this as being like, this is quite a, 
this is like a common sense business decision. I mean, I'm talking about as if <coughs> the place he's going to end up out of all of this is going to be WWE. It's just that to think about him going to AEW and all of a sudden it's like, dare I say it, my heart sinks. Like I kind of, you know, think to myself, well, you know, where's he going to... He has the great matches with a few other people. He'll be in isolation. But when he's been appeared on TV, he's never been used to it. He's just like, ah, a random tag match and it's a carder. And guess what? He's one of the best wrestlers in the world. And you're like, really? That's you how get we told with- that. You'll yeah. get shown that. You get told it. Like, that's the thing, isn't it? And, and, and this is all part <coughs> of like the current war that's going on in the background, as well as like yeah. just black and white. Will they move numbers? What are the ratings? Like there is a public perception battle going on. WWE is winning a lot of these battles. Osprey was a win for it for AEW, but for this would be another win for Triple H. They get to be the good yeah. guys again because the oh my god, it's like when it was the it's, the it's his game plan. It's what he did with NXT. Like, did you actually believe Fagel Devitt was ever going to be a mainstream WWE star? Did I ever believe that El Generico and Kevin Steen were going to be big stars in WWE? Triple H made those things happen, and it got him untold goodwill and flower baskets from Reddit with a W. Like, and he's doing that like i mean it links into like another story that's doing the rounds of time recording like sean mm. rassap has said on his uh on his audio i believe tonight about mercedes another you know alleged new japan star <laughs> and also alleged aw i find it i feel like it was a fever dream at aw star say it was a fever dream as all seeing her in the air in the crowd at wembley uh in a in a boot allegedly uh, remember that that's a real thing that happened this year but Sean Rassap saying like uh, apparently the, uh, there's more of a possibility now in his mind of Mercedes slash Sasha Banks heading to WB yeah. um, at least more so than he thought in in August apparently which was which was all in uh, apparently there was a working plan for uh, for her to an AEW to work together and apparently Sean Rassap followed up on that has been told there's no active plan for that to happen that ties in with the little whispers you're hearing and uh you know, the fact that Punk was allegedly a big part of Mercedes coming over to, to AEW and, you know, was in conversation with her. He's now on the WWE side. You have to imagine what he's probably told her about what it's like working in AEW. And all of a sudden, I think we're in a different landscape in a lot of ways, JP, where it was like AEW was the cool promotion and you wanted your Danielsons and your Punks to go there. And especially fans like us to see them work in a different way than they did in WWE. And that was just a given. I still want that from a work point of view, but like from a fan goodwill point of view, there's probably going to be more pull for her to make peace with Triple H and a more again more of a guarantee when you look at a Sasha Banks that she'll probably be booked better under Triple H. And you know the women's division is clearly Triple H's Achilles heel for whatever reason, despite his successes with NXT. Uh, you know, with a couple of notable exceptions, he's not really done a great job of booking the WWE women's division. But is it a division with stars? Yes. And is it booked more competently than AEW's? Probably also, yes, yes, but it's more of a race to the bottom. But still, yes, she probably might look at it and go, all my mates are in, in WWE and, you know, Triple H is in charge now and it's going to be different. Maybe it's time for me to go back. If I was a veteran man, I'd say she ends up in WWE rather than AEW at this point. I think so. And I think she looks at AEW and she goes, okay, is my stock going to fall if I go to AEW? Potentially, yeah. Has the grass yeah. been really, truly greener since she's left? Well... I mean, the injury is going to be the thing to mess into it, but it's not like, like you know, all the time. Though. Yeah, it did buy her time as much as anything, and in some ways, you wonder if she dodged a bullet, and I wonder if she thinks did she dodge dodge a bullet throughout all mm. of this because it felt like when she left, there was talk of various kind of like, like behind closed doors lawsuits, NDAs, and the rest of it. Like there was, 
and it felt like it was like a level of anger about Vince and the Vince problem not being there. And it definitely not being Triple H as being the issue. Or at least Someone... not being in your face. Yeah. You know, he's there, it's... but it's the specter of Vince rather than the week to week, you know? Yeah. it's And that but not being, is, is a, there's a massive, but is she going to come in and f- be booked like she's a big star in a way with her most like kind of recognizable brand name? Yeah. Do you think TKO going to have issues about her doing acting and stuff in The Mandalorian? No, guess what? They'll probably fucking embrace it because mm. they should have done all along. But Vince mm. was like, well, it's not a WWE Studios film, so therefore I'm not going to... I have zero interest in it. It doesn't exist in the real world, even if it's part of fucking Star Wars. Like, mm. those kind of things are going to be seen as a big deal. Will it be an embarrassment for AEW? Yeah. But if you're her at the minute, and you're thinking, where am I going to make the most money? Where am I going to be better booked? Where is there going to be much more scope for me to do stuff outside of wrestling? I've got to say, it's WWE for all of those things. If you were advising her, what would you say? If she came to I'd JP, where would she go? WWE. WWE. I'd, I'd say it too. That's mad, isn't it? Like six months it ago, is. I wouldn't have said that. <laughs> exactly. You look at New Japan, not in a great way. The IWGP women's belt, very much an afterthought. Stardom on a on a downturn, partly because of just the relentless schedule they've been running and all of the injuries. Look at Julia, the person who was going to be the big star. She was going to be wrestling in all of this. Well, mm-hmm. Julia's there's a there's a chance she might be off as well. Mm-hmm. So you get into those kind of things and you think, well, where is this level of big stardom? Is there new faces in the women's division? Like, is, there's a Rhea Ripley story that you can go to there's the return of bianca belair there's all the various dynamics with whether it be with damage cattural or you know and obviously the four horsewomen something well, that i've always done. wanted to do and go ahead take there as well. so there's mm-hmm. all of all of that stuff you should take definitely take credit for that <laughs> but it, it'll be a big black eye to AEW for that to be the case but then there's the part of me thinks that this has been this has been their get out of jail free guys we, we sign people we sign people to deviate away from problems like yeah. the bloody Manchester United under the Glazers. And you go, no, yeah. sorry, I'm big on the football analogies tonight. You go, no, in some ways what it forces you, when they've been forced to AEW to kind of work with the resources they have, I think in recent, it's worked better for them. Julia Hart and, you know, spoke about, you know, not nowhere near the finished article and whatnot. But in some ways they want to spend more time concentrating on the likes of her and getting her mm-hmm. to a place than spending a fortune on Mercedes, where mm. she's not going to be a prime focus of that show, like regardless. And you don't have the faith in how the women's division is going to be booked there. They just wouldn't, would they? We've seen nah. enough evidence. They wouldn't. Like, they, it would be a layup. It would be a gigantic star coming over. We all thought it was happening around Wembley. It would be the most AW thing ever. One for it not to happen. <laughs> but if it did happen, to fuck it up anyway. Like she's gonna see that, and she if she speaks to people like Punk, and if morale is as low in AEW as we're reading, like I can't imagine there's much pull really. And she's had got it out of system a little bit, being able to do the being going to Japan and stuff, and it hasn't gone to the full fruition because of her injuries. So that's a that's a bit of a negative, and maybe puts a little bit of doubt in my mind that she still wants to you know sow some seeds and and work outside of the beast. Done a gap here. Yeah, she, she kind of had it. It doesn't go. It doesn't go perfectly. On a gap year, she had a snowboarding accident, you know, and Did. unfortunately they put her in a boot for a while. But she still had a gap year, you know. And at some point, you got to come back to reality. And I think 
that's probably going to be reality. As Andy says, it might just turn out it would be the most wrestling thing ever. Punk, Mercedes, Akada, all these people signed for WWE, which is the uh, the good guy Triple H brand. And then uh, Vince comes back. <laughs> and he's like, hang on, pal. Yeah. Who are all these people who speak funny? What's going on? What are they doing back here? <laughs> <laughs> get out. Get out. <laughs> Wouldn't shock me. But yeah, genuinely want to, want to keep an eye on. I think the Akada and the Mercedes stories, I think, might be might be quite closely tied. Um, yeah. Yeah, look, Raman says, yeah, original plan, Forbidden Door against Soraya. <laughs> Imagine how, what our review of that match would have been, you know? Um, yeah, doesn't shock me. Um, but yeah, there we go. Nice, uh, nice little uh, rundown of the uh, the possible uh, free agents uh, out there right now, JP. On that note, yeah. uh, what else we got? We've got a couple of other uh, bits and pieces to, uh, to talk about. I know you wanted to mention kind of linked to New Japan, um, as it is an Osprey subject. Talk a little mm. bit about... Uh, Rev Pro, uh, obviously, uh, Uprising is uh, is next weekend. Bit of an annoying one. I'm going to be in London that weekend, but I'm still not sure if I'm going to be able to go to the actual uh, show itself. Um, also, Crystal Palace puts me off a little bit. And I'm a man who's happy to stay in Romford, JP. So, you know, I must have heard bad stories know, if, uh, if Crystal Palace has put me off. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, I don't think things are going to work out, but I am going to be in the area. So, you know. Let's see what's happening. But yeah, you wanted to uh, to talk some uh, some rev projects before we get into the odds and sods of uh, of what else we've got. And I know the big news from this is obviously Will Osprey surprised the fans by by turning up there as well. Um, yeah, for, uh, building up his match to Gabriel Kidd, which we'll be previewing on the weekend show and then probably reviewing on the spotlight straight. Did he build it up? Because all well, I heard, we had a, we had a hey. motley crew of people in our Discord who were there live at the show. Yeah. <laughs> Like I th- they had a lot good to say about some of the matches on the show, but like mostly <laughs> people were just like, "I might leave," you know. <laughs> like this is fucking shit. Like it was like a live watching a live chat of people who were in the building, fucking hating every minute of that Osprey promo. But obviously, we can talk about that. But yeah, that was the. Uh, it, did, it surprised me too when I saw he was there. It did, and I was following the Discord for it as well. You know, Ewan and Ian and, and the very, uh, you know, and, and the various other comments are on there. It's the one bit of the show I must confess that I I've seen him coming in. So I've seen the clips of it, but I haven't. This seen is good. The promo. That's the bit I've seen. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did he start slagging off Gabriel Kidd's mum? Is that yep. is that the route he went down? Oh, for fuck's sake. Yep. Mum jokes. That's where we're at, it, aren't we? It was. It was. I don't know if that was the. Uh, yeah. <laughs> from my understanding is that it, that was not the directive he was given for the promo. But Will Osprey is going to Will Osprey. Um, I don't know what directive he was given or how much he was told to go down that line. But I watched the Instagram thing today as well. Like, like I, the obvious comeback is like it's funny because I like like I mentioned there on the pre-show. You know, we talked about our Spotify Unwrapped. I listen to a load of hip hop podcasts, and like I don't even really listen to that much modern hip hop. And like in that in that world, this happens where like podcasts we should get into this game, JP. Podcasters who are beefing with each other will be on like Instagram Live just shouting at each other. And every everyone's in the comments going, Oh, go on, I want my favorite podcaster to win. And bigger than that, it happens with rappers as well. Like I've seen that like beef between rappers kind of come to a head on Instagram or just people in general who like it's a thing people do, JP, in this in this generation of media. And I think that's what Gabriel Kidd and Osprey were trying to ape. Like that type of like, we're gonna come together on an Instagram live and have a have a row, and have a row about that Osprey promo, the Rev Pro show, which was kind of gross because he's talking about you know Gabriel Kidd's mental health issues and breakdowns and stuff like that, and it's like, do we really want to hear about this? And then Gabe, the thing is, Gabe Kidd's not that likable either, so he's not he's he's yeah. not he's not sympathetic. So you're watching these two fucking grown men 
put on a bit of an accent and just shout at each other like there are a couple of scallies on the street and it's just you just come out of it going, I don't like either of them two. Like whether it, uh, the, the counter argument is like in the hip hop world when I talk about this happening, it created interest. It maybe interest the wrong way, but attention. I had talked about today. More people know the match is taking place now. I think um, people tuned in to see the rook, and people have been talking about it on Twitter today, not in very favorable terms. And you know, neither of them, like I say, came across well. Neither of them comes across as the babyface in this feud. I presume on the night. A London big Crystal Palace crowd is going to cheer for Osprey regardless, so maybe it doesn't really matter. But they both come across as very unlikable cunts, and yeah, it just wasn't. It's not really an enjoyable experience. Like here, and you know, there's there's there's, there's lines you can throw in that are about real life, but the way Osprey went with it just showed for me poor judgment, which is the story of Will Osprey's yeah. career, isn't it? Like he's about to sign his big contract with AEW. We presume he's on his retirement run from the British Indies. He's he's very Terry Funk, so who knows? Um he'll still be running a Brit Res retirement run in twenty thirty. But allegedly that's what we're headed towards. And he's using that last no promotion in a year's time. We'll talk yeah, about that we'll scan his fucking mental. But like I'm I'm sure there's there is good in Osprey, and uh, I'm sure he wants to put because Gabe Kidd was his young boy at points, and he mentioned in the promo and the back and forth that you know they got links back going back to what culture pro wrestling. Speaking of uh, speaking of what culture and the like, um, so I'm sure he's doing it, and he wants he probably if I if I know anything about like you know Osprey's place in the world, I'm sure this was his choice to work Gabe Kidd um, at this big Rev Pro show, and he wants to put him on the map. But the way he went about it is just typical Osprey, really, and just yeah. Poor judgment is the word. I mean, we're talking about a match that really should be like the big match of a show at like, you know, in front of a big crowd at Crystal Palace. And instead, it kind of sounds like a shouting match between a couple of squaddies outside of Weatherspoons. (laughs) And I don't know if that's necessarily, that's the kind of stuff that I want to see because that's how it comes across, no? (laughs) What a great analogy. <laughs> like, from everything I hear of this, I just think, yeah, no, I, I walk away from that stuff if I see that in real life. I don't pay money to oh fucking see it like out of any of that. So, like, this is... And without that kind of level of control, he's going to mm. he's gonna just say whatever. And he tends to go lowest common denominator pretty much straight away, doesn't mm. he? He doesn't, like, you know... Because, again... Like you've like you've said, there are much simpler storylines that work better within wrestling of like, you're still my young boy, bruv. He could have just said on an endless loop and it would have worked and worked better than this. And instead it's just like, you know, it's just like the fucking it's two blokes in tracksuits having a row on the street and you expect one of them to take the top off at some point. It's like we've seen this before and it's not fun to see. Like I've no kind of like in I don't particularly have any interest necessarily in that as well. Whereas this should be part of, you know, what Will Ospreay's year is 2023 has been, which is I'm going to, I'm going to wrestle a load of young wrestlers. And I'm going to have the best matches of their careers to date, like setting yeah. the template of where they are. And that's what we really should be talking about with this. And Gabriel kid going, no, I'm going to push you like instead, like, cause I know the kind of weaknesses and stuff. There's a much more sensible side of it. But then we're talking about these two. And I think a kind of cool, lucid, calm business heads, that's not what goes on with these two. It's, yeah, Steph, it, says, 
we were in a, we were into Burger King to get a drink on the way home last night, and there was a a group of scally lads trying to start a fight with a group of scally girls, which was uh, lovely to see. It was like that, genuinely. Was that's what it felt like. And you know, maybe maybe the majority of people aren't going to care. I think Osprey is going to be in Crystal Palace. It'll be like a York Hall yeah. crowd, won't it? Where we have these conversations, and then you know. They react in a very different way to what we do. He's going to be treated like the biggest homecoming babyface ever. And they're not going to care. They said some things about uh, Gabe Kids more and more, you know, poo-pooed mental health in the way only Osprey can. But, you know, and that, that probably goes to the AW conversation. Like, you know, Steph and Will are having the conversation in the chat there. Like, yeah, absolutely. He's going to go to AW and he's not going to be reined in. And the Americans are going to think it's the fucking coolest thing ever. Oh, he said, bruv. Oh, he talks. He talks like the characters in Top Boy. Isn't this great proper British culture we're getting on TV? And we're all at home just cringing. But are we what matters? <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe not. Except the food he'll talk about isn't, in fact, like kind of large quantities of Class A drugs, but in fact, literally the food <laughs> on the table that's being stolen in you classic wrestling bro. fashion. Food broth. <laughs> Which, but yeah, yeah this God is. Looks uh, God looks good. <laughs> other than it that, does. Other than that. <laughs> like, but, yeah. looking at it. That, that could be good. And I think, you know, when watching, and I managed to watch some of the live stream as well mm. um, for this. So that's kind of well, like I, I managed to pretty much see like a lot of the second half while I was doing various kind of stuff at the minute. Is that odds the edit, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, watching the. Um, that wild spur uh, like Man City Spurs game, like, and this was mm. on at the same time. This was on at the same time. I was like, this fucking batshit, this stuff here, and it was like a good card. And I think that's the thing about Rev Pro from a booking perspective is they deliver what you want. I think again, and it's an old thing. The criticisms with Rev Pro are going to always be from that technical perspective. I'm going to talk very briefly about an indie promotion that actually gets some of those things kind of right. And I think that's very much the di- the next stage in the direction to want to do. Because you look at this, like Uprising Card, we'll talk about it in more detail when we get round to it on the weekend show. But Michael Oku, Zach Gibson, that's like a cracking like match, a way of positioning Zach Gibson in there as well. Backed up with Osprey Kid. Volador Jr. on there with Trent Seven. The rematch of Jacobs versus Ishii, which is looking like this is the... like. Luke Jacobs proper audition tape where you'd be thinking of him getting that big win there at last. Connor Mills, Leon Slater, the crowning of Leon Slater, who you're going to want to be using more because of the the fact he's he's going to be signed to Impact as well. And I think that's something that impacted the kind of promotion that will definitely acknowledge the fact of, oh, he's British cruise, he's the British cruiserweight champion. So we're going to be using him into the mix as well. Got Danny Luna versus Alex Windsor, and I do want to give like a shout out to the stuff I did see that on there in terms of the matches. That the the three way women's match was as good a women's match as I've seen in Rev Pro for for quite a while, which was the um, Mercedes Blaze, um, Danny Luna, and I'm forgetting who was that the the other person who was uh, who was in that match. Oh, uh, if I just bear with me for one second on it, yeah, Kanji as well. Because it built up a few stories like Kanji and Sapphire Reeds who came out and attacked. And then, you know, it was just kind of all action. I thought, well, that's kind of what you want to be doing. So these 229 shows feel like they've been a success. It feels like they've done, we're finally at that point where they've replaced the cockpit shows as being kind of fun cards in their own right as well. And, you know, wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, apparently it's got the... uh, shut in August because uh, I think Ian Hamilton was saying apparently it's something to do with them uh, putting some aircon in there because uh, it can go quite uh, quite hot in there. But oh, every other month they're running first weekend of the month pretty much without yeah 
without fail. It's good for them to have at home, isn't it? I I thought for me the biggest note coming out of the show it's the Agogo stuff. Um, yeah, like because like he replaced Ricky's uncle, and then Ricky Ricky Knight Junior himself did not turn up. Um, we know now it was for good reason. Um, because he was having a, having another baby. Um, so he had to be at home for that. Well, yeah, the missus uh, gave birth, and uh, everyone seems happy and healthy. Not always uh, always nice to see, but it did uh, seem like it played a bit of havoc with this uh, this tag league. This is the problem trying to do a a, a tournament. I felt for them trying Indies. to book this. Yeah, already a go go was a replacement, and then he had to go one on two with the Lycosses, um, and then one anyway, which I thought was hilarious. Um, but that's, that's how I book it too, to be honest. Um, but like, <laughs> I was I no issue with the booking quite, on that. Yeah. <laughs> I was quite interested though, again, like you, you know, the people we speak to who followed, you know, this stuff a bit closer, like an Ian Hamilton or a Sophia, or like, uh, you know, the other people we know who were at Gadget mm. that who were at the show. It felt like maybe not them specifically, but like I don't think people were that positive on a go-go coming into Rev Pro. I thought that was a big story. Like I, I guess, I guess he is damaged goods now because AW have done fuck all with him for two, maybe three years. Like while he's been there, and he's been over here, and he's done, you know, he's done stuff with the Knights, hasn't he? He's done WAW, and he's done. Mm progress to very little fanfare like we were all at the copper box weren't we and him and qt marshall but on that progress show in front of 200 people like they've not used them relatively good at all like they haven't got the most out of them but like i still think there's value there maybe i'm biased because you know a couple of years ago me and steph met him at a at, a, at, a, at an aw pay-per-view viewing party and had a big conversation with him about rev pro at that point and he i don't think he really knew of it as a company but like he seemed well up for it, and I know Steph introduced him to some people at Rev Pro as well. Um, and just in general, like he seemed well up for it from our point of view. But there's always the problem with uh, I would guess the problem there was AEW rather than a Rev Pro. Why that never came to fruition. And like I say, with a couple of years down the line, with some damage to his brand, but he's still Anthony Agogo. He's still a relatively mainstream star over here to the point where if he appears on TV over here, they don't talk about him as an AEW star. They talk about him as as himself, as Anthony Gogo. You know, they talk about the As Olympian, shows. Olympic medalist. Olymp the Olympics. Like that's what they talk about. I still think he's a big name. I honestly like I, I I'm fantasy booking it, but I'm like I'd I'd take him in a, if the build for this was to all build to him in RKJ in like a faux boxing match at York Hall. I honestly think that'd be good. Like maybe the match would be crap, but I think that you could get some you could get some attention, like you could do something with that. Like I honestly think like he's still got value, but maybe I'm on an island with that because it feels like most people thought that a couple of years ago and AW AW just killed him so bad that like people don't think about him in those terms anymore, but I still think it's a genuine get. Is that is it just me? No, I think it is a genuine get. I mean, I, I, it was a weird fit because of the fact that you know, congratulations to Ricky Knight Junior. And, and another child, but he was he was called away. I imagine early as well. I know what that feelings like. So <laughs> I think for him, like you think, oh, okay, that's that's like a good shout for you know what are you going to do in that situation given the circumstances? Well, your plan was probably to have the Knights go through. Anthony Agogo there. He's as close to mainstream as they ever would have gotten. The only other people I can... The only other time I can think of this is when Alex Shane tried to get Danny Williams involved. This is after he beat Mike Tyson. And I think at that stage, like, it was very, very weird having, like, Danny Williams, who had been, like, kind of a big boxing star and the rest of it, beating fucking Mike Tyson, shit Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson towards the end of his career when he was losing to loads of people. But the match never kind of came about. Well, you've actually got the chance to do that with Anthony Agogo. 
and he got the chance to use him. And if he's over in the UK loads, like go with him. There is still some potential, even if it's like on a smaller scale as well. And, you know, you could have him challenge the winner of Michael Oku and Zach Gibson, as daft as it is. But if you want to do that at York Hall, we've got Anti Agogo at York Hall. Like, that's for someone who, like Andy Quilden, who can make the best use of what he has and the limited kind of resources. That kind of stuff is like, he'll know how to push that. And it will get kind of like an interest. Oh, Anthony Agogo is wrestling. He's he's at your call, but he's not boxing. He's wrestling. And you never know. He might appear on the This Morning Sofa, which I look as the like kind of the panathea, the holy grail of wrestlers is to be on the This Morning Sofa. Like meeting Alison Hammond is somehow going to double your ticket sales, but I'm not quite sure that that is going to be the case. But I think it's a good use of it. It it was a clunky way to introduce him. A lot of that is the circumstance, but he's there now. And I think they can get some good. They can definitely get some good use out of him. Match wasn't up to snuff. It was just. It was like fucking squashing a few simple spots. But was it like I'm all right with match? that. It was the. It was the Lycos. Just Lycos. Yeah. Weird that. I remember it? we saw him without his mask once. We were in that Jack's place. I'm sure we were. We were there before we saw him walk around. It was like no, it's Lycos. He had that bright blonde hair about him. We'll see him at North doing the same thing. Uh, oh yeah. Get get the mask off Joe Nelson as well. Just get them away from each other. It's uh, might get them bookings, but it's probably not good long term for uh, for both of them really. Uh, you know, uh, we'll see what he do, what he does outside of it. But yeah, we'll see them at North this weekend. So I'm yeah. allowed to see them there. I'll see them at it uprising. So yeah, the only other developments out of the show. Yeah, the obviously Robbie X and Spike Trevay looks like it's uh, been set up with a with a challenge there for that on the on the two two nine show as well. Did did you not see the um the main event tag that uh, people were uh, were raving about? I did see that actually, and it was. I like the greedy souls and Sunshine Machine have, have really improved as well. And considering the other tag match, the issue that we'd had on that was um, it, like they'd done a whole story with, like Mark Andrews getting getting like kind of like an, an injury and stuff. So it was weird because they were in there against like what was it Maverick Mayhew and Danny Black. So it wasn't like it was like kind of like an exciting like kind of time of it so, so that that was that was like a bit weird but it was i thought it was like a, a, a very fun tag the kind of tag that we would like almost like expect but greedy souls have become like a decent solid team in, in all of that and it feels like they're the heel team to kind of go back to uh when you you know around the place but yeah yeah it, it, enjoyable stuff i wouldn't go berserk on it i thought it was like a good tag maybe i've missed something in, in all of the mix because like i say i wasn't expecting spurs to come back and get a three or bust my fucking acker and ruin some of my fantasy league but then i saw city drop points so it was like kind of like a testing times mate <laughs> there we go but yeah if i can help it maybe i'll be at a, a crystal palace in a in a couple of weeks, but uh, yeah, we'll be uh, previewing that on uh, on next weekend's weekend show. And yeah, of course, all roads lead to a uh, speaking of Brit Res North Wrestling at the weekend. Yes, uh, card we'll be going through on the weekend show, and I've got plenty to say about it. Let's say <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been tricked, AJP, into seeing Lana Austin and the uh, the Lycosses, but hey ho. Um, <laughs> anything else on uh, on Rev Pro or uh, yeah? Um, don't know anything else you've uh, you've been watching. I. I'll be very brief with a couple of these things i did watch because i was speaking about like kind of indie production as much as anything else mm. i saw a bit of wrestling revolver which was mainly it was their season finale is what they called the show i suspect it isn't because wrestling doesn't work that way 
from we joked about it on the weekend show, Clive, Iowa, and the Horizon Event Center. They made it look fucking cool. Partly because of just the layout of it. They had a proper kind of entranceway. The fight TV like replay had had like in-match replays during the show. The commentary team had Matthew Raywell on it, Vader Scott was on it, and some bloke called Bork. I can't remember his surname. He was all right. <laughs> he was perfectly funny. He was kind of inoffensive. There's a look about Revolver that is interesting. And I think other indie promotions should really take something from it. Now, probably helps when you've got like, I mean, Sammy Callahan's doing, I imagine, a day-to-day booking, but Moxley is obviously a big part in that promotion as well. Bork Torkelson. Now, I'm assuming that's not his real name. I'd be astonished by that. Dale Torborg, the demon. Kiss demon. Is he back? He is, mate. He's doing commentating on Wrestling Revolver now. Oh, Kiss Demon. (laughs) Didn't, didn't he like the old Dale Torbert? He liked the old baseballs, and he was like a pitching coach and the rest of it. <laughs> that was another gimmick, wasn't it? How the fuck do I remember that? MVP. I yeah, very, very kind of like strange for that. But it fills that PWG gap, particularly as PWG is on hiatus, as we've spoken about, as you know, various things going on you know, with Super Dragon at the moment. But it looked good. They had like a mesh fencing for them for them to walk down as well, which which made it look good. So it was like presentation and, and even though the lights were too bright, they're two massive sets of lights. The ring looked illuminated. So even though the rest of the arena, the horizon I don't imagine the horizon event centre to look fucking spectacular. But it looked as good as it's gonna look here. Had very big EC, ECW arena vibes to it. Mm. And again, it's full of what you'd imagine are the kind of standard indie dream matches interspersed with some local workers, some of their guys who do the storyline stuff. So that's how you end up with Emi Sakura versus Killer Kelly or Masaki Mochizuki defeating Mike Bailey with a weird kind of botched finish that bust Mike Bailey open, which again was fine. I'm like, this is the thing about the wrestling itself. These matches are kind of all right. If you want to know what Ortiz is up to when he's not in AEW, which is a lot of the fucking time, when he's here, he defeated Brian Keith. Again, a decent match, but nothing kind of like spectacular there. Why's Kip Sabian getting time in Ortiz and Santana aren't? What's that about? Makes no fun. And fucking Santana was at House of Glory at the weekend as well. Obviously the other end of the country from these lads, but that was like kind of like slightly strange. And Grizzle Young Veterans are there against the Rascals, but it wasn't, it was Zachary Wentz and Myron Reed as opposed to Trey Miguel there as well. And it was interesting seeing them in that environment. And they had, they came out to, um, uh, what was it? Um, uh, oh, what was it? Um, I am the Antichrist. Um, Sex Pistols. But they kept on playing it underneath Zach Gibson trying to deliver his promo. So he ended up cutting it kind of short. He didn't really get to say much, which is a bit of a disappointment. Which is like, fuck me. If there's one yeah, thing I've wanted to see in all of this. Hey, we'll see him, him in Newcastle. We'll see him in Newcastle. And he'll be doing that promo and he'll be slagging off Newcastle. I imagine he's going to bring him. up... Oh, he's going to bring up Saudi owners, mate. Imagine the sports waters. Imagine the football shit he's going to be saying to get a reaction in Newcastle. It's going to be fucking glorious. Going to be loving it. You know, at least we don't love our owners, but at least they're proper fucking owners. There'll be all this kind of stuff. He'll be, be loving it. Be, I, <laughs> that was a terrible <laughs> accent. I'm sorry. The one accent I try to actively avoid around <laughs> you because it sounds so bad. But in this kind of, it's very much like, the overall thing with Wrestling Revolver is is it is the super indie of choice at, at, at this stage. It's kind of like the slightly hot product in the way that West Coast Pro is, which I didn't get around to seeing. They had another show partly because it was just like, well, 
it's Kenta doing some CM Punk trolling and looking kind of bored during his match, which is kind of the way that Kenta is when he's over in the US and in the UK. But there is stuff from this aesthetically, I think, to take away from the show. It's like an easy watch that feels kind of professional enough. And I'm only going on this show. There's other stuff they've done that probably looks absolutely dog shit. But I thought, okay, this is a product I could easily see again. And Mm -hmm. they've got access to the big enough names. And if you're AEW with all of these people who don't get used, fucking send them here for the love of God. Like, it gives them something to do. It gives them reps. Send them out to places like this because it might help not only in turn boost, sell a few tickets and boost the crowds here, but it certainly makes the shows that bit more interesting as well. Mm. Like, you know, what the fuck is Lee Johnson doing in AEW? It's so important. He can't be here in this place. Like, like just they throwing need deals, that out. Like- it goes to the ROH conversation we had before that Joey Janela brought up about like making it a just make it a, 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 a sub indie. Same goes for the guys, like the amount of guys who get signed by there was, was a conversation on Twitter this week. The amount of guys who get signed by AEW, like we've said on the podcast before, if it was 2002, CM Punk, Samoa Joe, and Brian Danielson would be starting to get hot, and Tony had, had them on rampage. And like, I, I'll, I'll say there's balance to that because there's positive to that too. In that, if you, if if AEW existed in two thousand and two, who knows? Brian XL, Xavier, you know, Amazing Red even might have been a bigger star than they were, and might have had a different career path than they did. So we're getting that. But the negative we're getting is, yeah, you might you you might get people like that, like a Lee Johnson or a Lee Moriarty, or even a Wheeler Utah as prominently as he is used. Daniel Garcia, Nick Nick Wayne's a big one. He shouldn't be on telly as much as oh. I'm enjoying the Christian act. He shouldn't be anywhere. I should I shouldn't know. Other than watching the indies, what Nick Wayne looks like on AWTV for another six years. Like, I shouldn't even find that out. Shouldn't find out the answer to that question. I don't want to see his development at this early stage happen on TV. Even an action and dretty. I don't really think there's much there, but <laughs> he probably doesn't belong at AW right now. Like those types of guys, if they could get signed to like some kind of like Chelsea type deal where they get signed, but like they're on the indies and for all intents and purposes, we think of them as indie workers for a year, two years, three years, you know, they go to Japan, they do a couple of tours, everybody would be better off. Vitesse, Vitesse Revolver. That's what they mm-hmm. need to become there, don't they? This is where you send mm-hmm. players to. Arsenal mm-hmm. had it, we called it Beveren in Belgium. Load of lads went in there. That's, unfortunately, we got Emmanuel Abue back from him. He was a fucking piss taker, that bloke. So, <laughs> yeah, it is like, um, it, definitely what they should be doing and it's the it's the simplest way of getting reps in in front of large audiences in front of proper audiences as well and mm. you know for them to being able to improve and they're getting fucking used i mean that's why like not sending them over here where they're gonna get so much from that like from like if they're being used in a rev pro Anthony agogo like what him sat in a studio once a year at wembley well you might as well have him in rev pro got yeah. him fucking under contract Get him used. Get all of them used. Send bloody Keith Lee over here. Like, he'll probably mm. enjoy himself for a bit. You know what I mean? It's There's all of these things. It's like a much better way of using them rather than like kind of mothballing them as it feels mm. at this stage in kind of reserve team limbo, a.k.a. Rampage. Been a great spot like this. No matter what the subject is, we find a way to have a go at AEW. Really enjoyed we the Continental Classic this week. Sorry, we Tony. Um, and thanks for the Wembley numbers. You know, they, uh, they help us out when it, in the algorithms. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> anything more on that show or, or anything else? Um, the only other thing, uh, you know what? The other stuff I didn't actually really sort of get around to seeing. There was stuff like there was a Stardom Big Show, apparently. But, I mean, it's a bit of a shit show, their build-up 
to um, to like wrestle uh, Queendom. So I've not really like I've not bothered to get around to seeing that. I suppose the other kind of thing I mean we've not mentioned tag league. Should we even mention? We'll mention when we get to the finals. Who gives a shit? Like do really, who gives a shit? It, yeah. yeah, do it on that as well. And Kota Ibushi's in Noah. Cool. Yeah, that was weird. Like mm, meant to mention that when we were talking about Mercedes and Akada. Yeah. Yeah. Can, but... can Marafuji carry Ibushi or can Ibushi carry Marafuji? That's going to be the question, isn't it? Like I don't know which way around that is <laughs> in 2023. That's it. It's just going to be interesting if he shifts a few tickets. I think that's the only kind of interest I have from a business perspective. But it's also the way that Marafuji has become this. A lot of people, it's like, well, we haven't got Muto anymore. So in essence, he becomes the de facto legend of Noah, as he's he legend. should be. I've no issue with that. And they all want to wrestle him. And it's like, mm. yeah, in, in many ways, it's the best use of him at this point in his career. And Abushi goes over there. It's like, fine, whatever. I can't pretend to be remotely excited about it. But it's, it, you know, it's it's just the way of the wrestling world. This would have been like a massive story in, in years to come. Instead, it's fitting in the last 30 seconds of this show. Probably is where Cody Bushi should be until he fucking proves himself. <laughs> Agreed. Well, speaking of the last thirty Anarchy seconds, in the UK. For some reason, the fucking title of the song completely lost on me. But there we go. <laughs> well, speaking of the last thirty uh, seconds of the show, I suppose that it does take us uh, to the uh, the end of the show. Um, I'm going to say this again. Like I say, it is uh, the beginning of another month. Thank you, uh, patrons who've uh, stuck with us through this year. Uh, it's been a, a great year on the Patreon. I'm sure we'll be. Uh, Talking lots about it towards uh, ERM, but we're, we're going to end it the right way in uh, in December. JP going to be uh, going to yes. be lots going on for anybody who, uh, who missed the plugs uh, early on. Say so you, you're just tuning into the, uh, the YouTube replay or something like that. Hello, people. No, we're not live on a uh, on a Wednesday afternoon. I'm sorry. Um, YouTube doesn't make I that wish, very mate. clear that it's there's a premiere and a live showing on YouTube. Look very similar. But they are different. We're not live. This was recorded on Tuesday night. Sorry to uh, break kayfabe. There's always someone in the chat, JP, trying to have a conversation with us or replying to something. And I always feel so bad. I'm like, hey, sorry, here I am. Um, that's not actually me right now. Uh, I'm currently sat in my undies doing me uh, my office job. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you're watching that, what else we got? Uh, what else we got going on uh, this month, JP? Well, it's it's an incredible month. Just to to, to reiterate in in all of this, all of the stuff that we've got coming up at the moment, as you've brought up on screen here um we have i mean we've got our um observe this power slam 1994 special which i'm really looking forward to as well that's a weird kind of that's basic i love it when you mess around with that format bit. Get me to play with this. but i also have to say as well brilliant graphic particularly the uh the news hey. updates which i know is not always the place to go to but but phil mitchell wearing a santa's hat in and of itself is fucking awesome um, so yes, we've got uh, we're we're giving the observe this treatment to the first edition of Power Slam 1994. Um, basically, dependent on when it arrives in the post for me as an early Christmas present to myself, the best kind of Christmas present. Um, we're going to be at North Wrestling at the weekend. We're all going to that. So hopefully, for those of you going to be along, come along, have a drink with us, have a have a chin wag. We'll watch North Wrestling. You'll get to hear our preview of that on Friday. That'll be interesting. Um, and that was obviously selected by King of the Mountain, Carl Gack as well. So um, thanks so much for that, Carl. Really looking forward to that as well. We've got the Christmas Film Club. We're going to have a Christmas movie poll. I know there's some suggestions in the Discord. As per usual, I might add, some of you are a bit cruel and you like to suggest some shit for us to watch. So like, I'm a, we'll we'll be going through that with a bit more fine-tooth comb because that's how we end up with WCW 2000s when we give patrons the choice. So if you like the idea <laughs> of us being tortured by them, that happens quite a lot. 
<laughs> Always got to mention it. Two two staples for like the end of the year for us. We've got the Grappy Awards, which will be up on the free feed. But with the patrons, we have the Crappies. So always awesome in that. Negative five stars to go into old Dave Meltzer talk uh, in there as well. What's the stuff we hated? Guess what? There's more than one thing. It'll be interesting. I'm fascinated with the way the awards go in general because it's going to be wild from how it's been from previous years. I think that AEW domination, that this might be the year that that finally comes to an end. And we like to wrap up the year with the Arse Grapple, Christmas Spectacular. We have loads of guests calling in with even some some listeners as well. We see it, we have Who a drink. Who knows who this year, Who knows? Oh, I'm... Anthony Agogo. I'll throw that in there as well. You fucking should do as well. Um, but yeah, we've we've got that coming up. So really looking forward to that. And because the wrestling doesn't stop, we're going to be having spotlights. We're going to be having weekend previews. We've got the second episode of Bretro coming towards the end with uh, with Matty and Gareth. And obviously, as I mentioned before, the news updates. So if you want to see uh, Phil and Grant appear in your feed, definitely the place to go patreon.com forward slash grapple and go to youtube.com forward slash at grapple because youtube's weird and chucks an at into the mix where forward slash grapple would have been a lot easier but hey i'm not in charge of it and they seem to be making a good few quid of it so they're doing something they right so yeah go there well yeah if you lasted this long thank you very much obviously there's a lot of uh a lot of people out there who are just watching the uh, the free version of YouTube, but yeah, so we've got YouTube memberships out there if you fancy uh, joining us on uh, on that side as well as uh, Patreon memberships. Uh, there's yep. all kinds of going on there, as JP's just said. So yeah, any support we much much appreciate it, especially uh, this time of year. But yeah, if you're uh, if you can't uh, can't extend to that, maybe throw us a like on YouTube, throw us a subscribe on YouTube. I'm trying to get the uh, we're a very new YouTube channel, so I'm trying to get the subs up this year. So help us out if you can. But yeah, on that note, JP's uh, covered it all. We will. We'll be back next week for uh, for Spotlight. We'll all be at North Wrestling at the weekend, so maybe see some of you in Newcastle. Observe this will be coming up and plenty more where that comes from. But yeah, on that note, we'll catch you all again for Spotlight next week. Bye. There is not time to leave the city. Your state civil defense director has just issued the following instructions. Please remain calm. Priest, knife. Her fingers form devil horns while playing heavy metal songs. Rose pedals, she lay naked on. Open up the necrocon. C's equal turn to Metatron. Raven on the ceiling, but the head is gone. The threshold, her flesh cold. Necros. Death holds you in plain face and dress clothes. Insane bass and trample. Techno. Kill an army with the apes of the ghetto. Killer bees manifest. We come from the hive to attack the nest. These bees wear bulletproof vests. This is her land. Son and man take the head for less than a hundred grand. Blood on our wings, blood on our hands. We come alive after dark. We party at Wood Creek Park. Shit, we still off the meat rack. Chillin' in the whip of the sea.